0: Everybody, welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show. A place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hansen, and I'm thankful that you're here with us today because I'm going to be joining you on this wild ride of talking about video games. So I'm going to be joined by some smart folks. I'm going to be joined by one Jacob Geller. I'm back. Welcome, sir. Has it been a while? I don't know. It's been like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking he's back. We got Leo Vader. I'm still here. Never goes away. And then Charles Hart from Game Informer. Welcome, Charles.
1: Hello. I'm here for the first time.
0: Yeah. How does it feel?
1: What do you think? Uh it feels like a podcast.
0: Yeah, that's uh, kinda
1: which is which is good, which is a good thing,
0: you know. That's what we're going for. We yeah. are constantly saying, make it feel like a podcast, everybody. Please make it <laughs> feel like a real podcast. So mission accomplished. Uh Charles, you are an associate editor at Game Informer and you're at FanBite before that, right?
1: Yes, I was an internet fanbite. Uh, before it imploded Uh, and then the game informer people threw me a a life jacket and i've been (laughs) sailing there ever since i don't know why these are boat boat references
0: no the first thing you gotta know about charles hart he's really into nautical themes for all of his metaphors (laughs) and stuff so all game reviews Uh it always works in something about rough seas uh charles i've enjoyed listening to you on the game informer show podcast um it's been fun and like I don't want to be one of those, look, I don't want to be a weird old guy in general, but I don't want to be one of those weird old guys that always is talking about, like, what's with people being younger than I am? But it, it was one of those moments where you were talking about, like, how important Lego Star Wars was to you and how it was, like, the first game you played when you were, like, five or something. Mm-hmm. That, and it's just a nice gut check of, like, you're a, you're a young fella, And that's just fun to think of, like, oh, Lego Star Wars is like your Mario 1 or Duck Hunt for, like, my generation. It's just (laughs) wild to think of.
1: It's, I mean, you got to understand, as a kid who liked Legos and liked Star Wars, how absolutely mind-blowing it is for a five-year-old to be like, these two things are together, and I can, it's just an infinite, I can replay these levels as much as I want, and... I don't know. Also, I don't know if you've ever had like Lego Star Wars action figures, but the lightsaber tops, I always lose those. And then it's like the lightsaber is useless now. It's just like the hilt right? fall off in the video game. <laughs> so that was a big deal. Also, for thing? the record, Lego
2: Star Wars was also important to me as a kid. Uh, it was the first time I ever encountered not having a computer that could run it at the frame rate. And I asked my dad, why is this running in slow motion? And he said, look at it this way. Maybe you'll do better at the game.
0: <laughs> Interesting, yeah. It's 24 frames per second. Or should I make it realistic for the film, I guess? Yeah. yeah, that's right. I just remember... That game was important to me, actually, because I guess I was in high school and it was, like, early on for modding the original Xbox. And so that was a big one. I was like, well, everyone has to have a copy of Lego Star Wars now and we'll all play it. And I remember I remember playing it and <laughs> being surprised. And we're like, what is, what is the ability in this game? Because, like, when you're Anakin in Episode 1, isn't his special ability, like... To be able to crawl into vents? Yeah, he's small. He's small, I <laughs> That's
3: guess. his ability.
0: It's just the least interesting thing to do with Anakin Skywalker. But it's like, well, it's before he's capable <laughs> of doing anything. So he's big into these vents and diving into them over and over and over again.
1: And it's just him and young Boba Fett. Those are the two vent characters in that <laughs> game, I believe.
3: Yoda so, can't do it?
1: I don't think so. But Yoda's also... Yoda's crazy. Man. He's got other stuff <laughs> he, going on. Yeah, he, he's got this jumping. The animators really, really went wild with with Yoda and Lego Star Wars.
0: I forget. Did you like Skywalker Saga then? The the Lego game.
1: Me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean, I actually didn't finish it because part of the magic of Lego Star Wars one was playing with my brother, mm-hmm. and now he's off at college, so I don't see him all the time. So it's we're selfish. playing through. We played through some of it together, but. Like, Lego Star Wars 1, you could knock out in, like, an afternoon. Skywalker Saga, we kept being like, oh, this is, like, more than five levels per episode. This is, like, a whole thing.
0: You gotta gotta narrow it down a little bit, just like Assassin's Creed Mirage. Let's really get to a core gameplay experience. That's what, everybody, we'll be talking about that uh, new Ubisoft release on this episode of the podcast. We're gonna be talking about El Paso, elsewhere. We're gonna be talking about Shadow Gambit, the Cursed Crew. And pop quiz, everybody, at the end of the podcast, we're gonna ask you... The name of this game, once again, if you can't remember, (laughs) we failed as podcasters. Uh, We're going to be talking about Cocoon. We're going to be talking about Forza Motorsport. Leo, this has to be a mistake. On the breakdown, someone wrote down Riders
3: Republic. The only mistake is you treating me this way. (laughs) (laughs) And you will live to regret it, sir.
0: Uh, Talking about Volcano High, and then back after the show, we have great questions submitted by the MinMax community over there on Patreon. Uh, Charles, I'm excited to have you on because um, you seem to be more prepared for Assassin's Creed Mirage than any human being on Earth. (laughs) Okay, wait. give give me the full journey here. What is your prep for jumping into Assassin's Creed Mirage?
1: Okay, so in February of this year, I was playing Fortnite and Ezio Auditore joined the Fortnite shop. And it wasn't the first time. This was the first time I saw him there. And I was like, oh, I should buy Ezio. I'll be Ezio in Fortnite. Then I was thinking about Assassin's Creed a lot. And then decided I was going to do a full series replay to prepare for Mirage. So I played... Full series? Now, I didn't make it all the way through. (laughs) But (laughs) I played, I think, ten games. I played two Brotherhood Revelations, three Black Flag Rogue... Unity Syndicate, and then the first one.
0: What um, the hell? <laughs> what is your I, life? How are you capable of doing this? 2023 is a great year for games. That is ridiculous to come. Yeah, did you hear all those Assassin's Creed, Dude, Rogue, <laughs> Syndicate? Um, yeah, I don't know. It was
1: it was kind of a weird thing. It's also like I'm. This is gonna sound weird, but sometimes when you write about video games, you have to play video games you don't want to play. And it was kind of an exercise for me to be like, all right, going back in. We're going to play more Assassin's Creed Unity today.
0: So you're getting prepared for a life in games press. That's the idea of like, look, if you yeah. got to play Unity, that means you got to play Super Bomberman S2. And any moment of any day, <laughs> you need to be ready to go. Exactly. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, and I got to Origins, which is where I initially fell off. And I think right when I got to Assassin's Creed Origins is when Tears of the Kingdom came out. Mm. And immediately I was just like, I would much rather play Zelda than this just huge, huge Assassin's Creed game. And I I don't think Origins is a bad game. I don't think that's consensus at all. For me, it wasn't really what I was looking for in an Assassin's Creed game. And it was kind of the reason I wanted to revisit the series because it's kind of taken this turn in Origins Odyssey Valhalla where it's making it much, much larger... Uh, uh, super bulky games that you can spend like hundreds of hours in and then right. still have extra side quests to do. Um, so I made it... I didn't complete my goal of getting through all of them, but I, I made through all of the the classic style Assassin's Creed games.
0: I mean, that's all the prep you need for Mirage, right? Because they're kind of yeah. going back to that classic model because this game apparently is like 20 hours if you just do kind of mainline-y stuff. They're kind of trimming it back down, getting back to the stealth roots and stuff. Um, I've started it. Leo, how much time have you spent with Mirage so far?
3: Four hours, so just out of the first main assassination.
0: Okay, and then Charles, where are you at with Mirage then?
3: I'm at the exact same place as Leo. Ooh, nice. okay.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, since you have everything swimming in your head, Charles, what do you think about Mirage so far?
1: Um, I like it, but it's not... I, I, it's kind of like I spent all years eating cheeseburgers to prepare for this new ultimate cheeseburger and then it ended up being another cheeseburger. Right. And I like right. cheeseburgers, but it is what I've been doing and it's what I expected. So it's not like reinventing the wheel. Um, it's, 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 it is what these older games is. So it's, you, you have a, a city you're focused in, it's, it's stealth based. Um, but at least from what I've played so far, and there's, there's much more of the game, but, um, it's it's basically what I expected, I guess.
0: You've over-prepared, because I think for the rest of the world, it's like, oh, this is the big nostalgic blast of we want everybody to go back to the game that feels maybe the most like the first Assassin's Creed that we've made since then, right? Like, okay, we're back in the Middle East focusing on stealth and all this stuff, but yeah, shame on you for trying to prepare for this game, man.
1: I will say also, from from playing it and having played Assassin's Creed 1 very recently, it is... I think it plays how people remember Assassin's Creed 1 playing, but it is in practice. It does not It does not feel... It's it's way more modern. It feels much better to play Mirage than it feels to play Assassin's Creed
0: 1. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think of it so far, Leo?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I, I really like the idea of returning to the roots, and it feels even more like... Less like the first game and more like the first game's trailer. Like the core pitch of what Assassin's hmm. Creed is, of like... Building up bit by bit through these investigations, which is how they handle quest lines in this game, which has been kind of moved towards in recent ACs, like having that all kind of collectively build up to a big encounter with a bunch of different ways to do it. And then, you know, getting your big kill and rubbing the feather on them in the dream world or whatever. Yeah. And it's a pretty good pitch so far in the early hours. The systems are a little too bare bones. It's stalking from the shadows, assassinating, running, assassinating, seeing two guys waiting for one to walk away and go have a conversation with someone else, assassinating the first guy. All that stuff is really simple. And even the the moves I'm starting to get don't seem to complicate it very much. You know, it's weird when like the big, heavy armored enemies, you can still just assassinate like regular, like you don't have to do anything special. I don't know. It seems really uh, in typical Ubisoft fashion, kind of sanded off the edges of a stealth experience which it feels pretty good mechanically like just clearing out those bases systematically is pretty fun but it's not very stimulating i guess one of the most
2: impressive things about that first one and like still if you look at it is like the climbing is like way more detailed than the climbing in the recent games because it's like literally every little knob he would like grab onto and now especially in like Odyssey which is the most recent one I played it's like you can just run straight up any wall and it kind of doesn't even matter what is it closer to like do you have to think about the the parkour and the climbing stuff again
0: no no
1: I would say it's more it's 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 not exactly there's definitely is is more of a thing where you look at a wall and you can see like I can't go straight up this like I'm going to have to like sidle over to this window and then go on these exposed bricks here Um, it's not as as puzzly like in Assassin's Creed one it would almost be like it's going to be hard for you to climb this tower because you're gonna have to really look for it and this it's more thought than that but it's definitely not just flying up the wall.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and stuff like peering in the windows, like they've done an interesting job with that of how it, the camera can kind of zoom in and then you press A to hop in. I feel like that kind of drilling down on the premise I think is really cool, but there's not a ton of it. I wish the climbing and running felt more different because that seems like the number one thing. I don't know if this is a controversial take, but it's crazy how bad the free running has always been in this series, which I like. I've just never i'm constantly trying to go up a wall and jumping off of a cliff into a bale of hay it's so wild that they haven't fundamentally reworked how the, the running works does it feel like that nostalgia blast for you leo
0: if you have so many fond feelings for the course of this series
3: uh yeah there's a bit of nostalgia it seems straight up like i have been here in assassin's creed before even if i haven't literally you know similar biomes yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's at Baghdad. I think looks awesome
0: from what I've seen so far. Like run right around that city. It's like there's there are so many ropes between these buildings. Jacob, you you couldn't imagine how easy it is to get around <laughs> this town. They really designed
3: it with a playground mentality in mind. And I like that the some of the history tour stuff is a little more integrated. Like there are collectibles now that just take you to three paragraphs about like you know you go to the shop area, the bazaar, and press triangle and then you have like three interesting paragraphs to read about like what they're actually trading back in the ninth century and I like having those little breaks and it's a good way of you know something that is really strong about the series bringing that more into like part of the core experience of it I think that is a touch I really like
0: yeah what um what do you think is the what are the key ingredients to good Assassin's Creed Charles? after playing 4,000 hours of these things recently so I I think that's
1: what's so interesting about the series is that what I would have said is important to Assassin's Creed when playing like the Ezio trilogy. And then what isn't included in like some of the bigger ones is like not what I would say. So like, I would say stealth is super important and it's become gradually less important. Um I think the city is important. Like it should feel good to navigate. And I think this one does. Um, I also a a thing that I have definitely found that is very hit or miss in the series, but pulls me through it a lot better is when there's a good villain or like a clear force that you're working against. And I don't really feel like Mirage has had that so far for me. Sure. Um, But just like the drive of like, what is going to make a person (laughs) wear these white robes and run all over a city and kill like hundreds of people. Like I I really want to feel why they're so motivated to act this way. (laughs) Um, And this one was, I don't know, it was fine. It was also like the, the inciting incident. and I'm not going to spoil anything, but sure. uh, uh, it's it feels very like, oh, I touched the wrong thing. Ah, this guy's dead now. Oh, man, now I guess I got to go figure my new life out. But it, it didn't feel so much as like, uh, uh, I feel like it could have been more, more character driven in that sense. So,
3: yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel distinct from anything we've done before in the Assassin's Creed franchise, which is like fine. But when it's two hours until you get to the game being open then i i am a little frustrated
0: right right yeah it's weird it jumped into this and i was playing like on high settings on pc and i was still like is valhalla a better-looking game than this is. I was kind of surprised, and then I was looking at it like, okay, it's wild that this game is also launching on last-gen still. Like, we're still in that era uh, of like, oh, you can play this on a launch Xbox One if you want to, you know? It's, it's a weird thing to think about, but yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, I enjoyed what I played of Valhalla. It is just weird to have that point of comparison, which I guess it's been three years even since Valhalla, so like, in theory, fans are... Ready to go for new Assassin's Creed. But Mirage is going to be solid, but long term unremarkable. Is that the high level takeaway so far for Mirage? Oh, like every other Assassin's Creed that's know. released in the past yeah. decade. But I mean, I do wonder if it's going to have kind of that black flag level bounce in any way, thinking about like where Assassin's Creed is going to go in the future with they've got the, the whole hub with Assassin's Creed Infinity, where they're going to be. Plugging in new stories and games there, and that's going to be kind of the the bigger experiences ever expanding. So it kind of does feel like, all right, last rest stop, Assassin's Creed fans, before we go down this crazy roller coaster ride of making the entire game one big living game world hub. Let's go.
3: Which is too bad because I feel like similar to Assassin's Creed 2, the sequel to this could be really good. Mm. Mm. Like, the the first big assassination, really promising. You're, like, finding distraction opportunities that you have to do kind of within this big market while avoiding guards so or doing your social blending throughout. And it get in a mission with this sense of scale, like, I think that works and is a cool effect. Yeah. But I... Don't know if I'll stick with it. I really like the simplification of loot. And when you find a golden chest, you're going to get something one of a kind out of it. Like that's instantly just more exciting. And seeing the skill trees, I was like, wow, this is a I can count this number of nodes on this skill tree. That's crazy. (laughs) But then going through them, it's like, oh, there's maybe two interesting ones here and the rest feel like kind of filler. And again, the core moveset that they kind of start you out with just isn't meaty enough to feel exciting. And I don't know if there's going to be more on the skill tree that really changes that.
1: I think I agree with Leo. I think, I think this is going to satisfy the people that have wanted this. I think that if, if you're like, I really wanted there to be a new classic style Assassin's Creed game, I think you're going to play this and you're going to like it. And this is, it does, it does its job well. I do, I do question the staying power of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I like what you were saying about the skill trees, because I, I did look at that and I feel like there should be a, a feeling in, in any kind of RPG like that where you're like, oh, I'm so excited to get to this level or like I can't wait till I can do this crazy new ability. And this was like, yeah, I mean, I want to do double assassinations because that's like a, a bread and butter thing in other games. But there was not a lot of stuff in there that I was like excited about.
3: Yeah, and maybe the tools are exciting, because those aren't in the skill tree, but they're in the wheel and they're not there's no no clue given to what they're going to be, so nothing is really hooking me there. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see the sales
0: for this thing. Uh mm-hmm. just as a as a game industry dork. I mean Valhalla destroyed sales charts. I mean, I don't think they released specific numbers other than Ubisoft said we made over a billion dollars off of Valhalla alone. Mm. So it just never stopped selling. I'm sorry, Jacob's shaking his head saying no. Uh, oh I uh no I'm saying no as in like (laughs) how did we let that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody should have stopped them. And so like the fact that it's been three years, you think a lot of people are gonna buy this, but I wonder if just it's it's. I feel like it's time for people to put their money Where their mouth is if they say they want these smaller Games and smaller Experiences than something so big and ever Expanding like Valhalla it's like okay we'll see If Mirage doesn't sell I think All big publishers are going to look at it and be like Okay well Valhalla versus This I guess we got to go bigger and we got To make it more of a living Game
3: hopefully the difference in Scope and budget makes their Targets not be so high but there's uh, mm-hmm. No chance of that
0: no chance. Uh, also, this is the cool, Jacob, brace yourself because this is the cool guy move. Uh, me, I chose to play this game in Arabic. And you know what, Jacob? Woo-hoo! It was better. <laughs> like, I really think, like, uh, Basim's voice actor, particularly, it's like, oh, it just sounds buttery smooth in Arabic. It sounds great. Uh, so, I recommend it. Thank hey Leo, I'm no hero. I'm just a normal guy. Please, please. I was
3: standing already, but this is a standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it's the cast. Yesterday's chat has wanted
3: to know where you'd rank Mirage amongst the other Assassin's Creed. So. Oh yeah, where's it looking like it'll go?
1: My favorites are Brotherhood, Syndicate, and Black Flag. Those are all like form the top three. Those three, two. I what are called? I like Rogue a lot. Mm, Me too. And then Assassin's Creed 3 was the first M-rated game (laughs) that my mom bought for me. So there was like a particular lead up to that. So that holds a special place in my heart, even though I think objectively it's not as good of a game. And then probably Mirage. And then I did not really like Revelations or Unity. Um, And then one, I I don't even really count one (laughs) amongst the rest of them because it's like... I don't know. It's it's so Assassin's Creed Two really like figured out what the series was doing in a way that I think yeah uh, uh, one is still kind of trying to figure it out. So it's almost like a, a prequel to the series in my eyes. Hmm. Um, it's kind of it is interesting though playing it back and realizing how many things it explicitly says that the other games kind of imply of like the controls is is like a puppeteering concept of like every button is like. One is left-hand, one is right-hand. A is your legs, and Y is your head on the Xbox controller anyway. Oh, so like, weird. Um, uh, synchronization, like in that game, you don't have a health bar. It's your synchronization bar, because Altair doesn't take damage. So every time you get hit, it's like you're falling out of sync a little bit. I mean, you die, it's you lose synchronization. Right. And then in later games, they're like, we don't, really, <laughs> we don't really care about the Animus as much. It's just all health bars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but down. anyways, it's it's good. It's fine. I I think I'll keep playing it and just just for the sake of completing my <laughs> my burger tour of
3: Ubisoft. <laughs> um, you got to I can't wait to talk about Shadow Gambit because all right. it's the stealth game I've been playing that does so much amazingly well. Yeah, let's get to it.
0: Uh, first, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, uh We mentioned it on last week's episode, but uh, The Deepest Dive, which is our series where we create the best, most thorough discussion about games on the internet, a huge multi-part game club discussion with the MinMax community. We're letting all Patreon supporters vote over there at patreon.com slash MinMax with two N's. Let them vote for what game we're tackling next. Um, And it is between Alan Wake 2, Spider-Man 2, and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Uh, So if you're a supporter of even the $2 tier, you can jump in and literally determine the course of MinMax's content and how we all spend a month going as in-depth as possible about any of those games uh charles if you had to choose between those three games what would you choose
1: if you had to guess based on what you can see behind
3: me <laughs> i was gonna say
1: <laughs> which game i would choose peter parker on my right shoulder miles morales on my left Yeah
0: Uh, I'm a big Spider-Man fan Okay well there we go So Spider-Man fans You can still win this thing Jump in there at Patreon See if it's doable Any tier uh, Let your voice be heard I mean we're doing it So you do jump in there on Patreon If I'm being honest That's kind of our goal So we want you to jump in there And then also You can unlock the podcast version Of that deepest dive And submit comments for all that stuff So thanks to everybody who's voted so far We have a ton of votes But it's fun to see Um, Hey Jacob Yeah el paso elsewhere you want to talk about this
2: thing yeah take that leo i'm talking about el paso
3: elsewhere before shadow gambit that's
2: right sit down shadow
0: gambit you've had too much time in the spotlight (laughs) uh all right el paso elsewhere jacob um this is indie version of max Payne meets blade yes i think that's that's
2: a pretty good uh elevator pitch Uh, interestingly the game has a lot to do with elevators so uh, an elevator pitch is apt for this perfect yeah so the 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 pitch is kind of it it is it is a game where you can do slow motion and shoot dive and hold two guns and so all of that is very max pain uh but you're killing vampires and werewolves and other mythical creatures um and has kind of a uh th- the new wave of indie where at least the main characters look kind of ps1y in yeah. that like like the their faces are really almost untextured but like their bodies are kind of chunky in an interesting way it's a little Gear Solid um, one look you know yes uh yeah and so i i and really all almost all of my like positive feelings of which i have many of of this game are directed at kind of the the aesthetic and the like uh the direction and kind of the like the music like it is I, I have not been struck in a long time by like an opening cut scene as good as this game has like yeah. really right off the gate the game is like it is shot incredibly well like the cinematography in these cutscenes even with like ps1 kind of detail characters is really impressive and like their lighting engine is very good it's almost sorry for uh for for doing this but it's like it is almost like an octopath traveler of a ps1 game where it is like it's like the lighting and and like post-processing effects are way beyond anything that could have been done. And so you have right. these fairly low detail characters, but like the way that they're lit is really impressive and cool. And you feel like, oh, I haven't I haven't seen this before.
0: Yeah, the entire game makes a case for style where it's like, I think you even tweeted about it, Jacob, where like the core gameplay. Yeah, it's Max Payne, which is freaking fun, but you would get sick of it. But it's just. They have just dialed up the style angle every step of the way, and it just hooks you so much differently because of that. And yeah, a lot of it's the lighting, or like, for me, it's like, yeah, the cinematic's definitely interesting, intriguing. The part that got me is pretty early on in the game. You're running around shooting, all right. Max Pan remember how to jump in slow motion, got it. And then just a rap song starts playing. And am I, is that the main voice actor for the main character who's also rapping? Indeed it is. That nice. blew my mind of like now it just sounds like my character, not like in-game he's actually mouthing the words, but it's just so weird to have a song start playing where it's like, wait, that's the main character rapping, and it works surprisingly well for me for just getting me so much more into the action as it's going through. Like, that's just where it set the hook. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, so so honestly, my my biggest thumbs up of the game is the main character and the the voiceover, which is done by the director of the game, like he's director v o and is is rapping for it but like i'm I'm gonna be arguing for James, who's the main character of this game, like as one of our characters of the year, really uh, at the end of the year I think the, the the like his delivery is so like the max Payne delivery is very specific, and he is like doing a good job of doing that while also having, like, a very unique spin on it. And, like, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say, like, the the story of this game is about, like, unhealthy relationships. And it's really, it's like, you know, all Max Payne's relationships are, like, my wife is dead. Right, you know, right. and, like, that's that's the extent that he has. And so to see kind of a a character who is in many ways super gruff and whatever have this, like, really nuanced and kind of sad ongoing relationship with a character who is the antagonist of the game um, is like I it's it's just
1: really good
0: Uh, Charles have you started this thing
1: I played a little bit of it I I so we've talked about my age a little bit. This is a game mimicking something that is like before my time, Max Payne <laughs> one and two both came out before Lego star Wars. So <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I was immediately struck by like the stylishness of it and there's something like really, uh, there's like a shot in the opening cut scene where he's looking right at you and his face is just, there's not much there, but for some reason it was like, I felt so affected by it. Like I really felt like he was looking at me in this way that like uh, just a video game cutscene connecting with me in a way I'm not really used to. Right. And I think something about the abstraction of it is like you as the viewer can put your perception of him in that face. You know, yeah, like if, if I'm feeling a certain way, the vagueness of it only amplifies the way I'm feeling about yeah. it. So, Yeah and and just the like the
2: breaking fourth wallness of it yeah. is i i love that it stares like just directly at you um uh, i do have so all that being said I, I i still think the game is pretty flawed as um as a game like i the story part i am so hot on um but it's it is weirdly it is not that long of a game But it feels really long, um, which is a kind of weird, I I don't know, I guess that is just a normal criticism of something like feeling long. But the game is broken up into 50 individual levels that have like a start level, go through it, and end level. And 50 is a lot. Like, that that is a lot of levels. And there are really only like four or five enemy types. Okay. Um, and it kind of feels at times like there are only two enemy types. Like you, you were doing a lot of killing the same enemies and those enemies are uh, in a very strange choice. They are melee only, which means that like slowing down time feels like it almost doesn't make sense because the whole max pain thing is you, you shoot, you dive to avoid the bullets being shot at you. Right. But Like there's right. not that much point to like, I played a lot of this game without using the slow motion because I was just like, well, I'm just shooting guys who are walking down a hallway at me, you know, like it's not that
0: they don't have, so like it's, they don't have spitting vampires later or something wild like that. They have, they have like, they have two projectile enemies, but they're it's it,
2: it's not it's not really enough. You know, it sure. just kind of doesn't do it. And the level design is kind of like in some ways it is really interesting in that it like levels kind of change as you're going through them. It's kind of like an indie ashtray maze from control almost. Sure. But that's all kind of aesthetic interest, and like mechanically they're just very tight hallways that you kind of walk down the whole time yeah. and so it's just like I, it it is not it's not mechanically varied enough to make all of those 50 levels interesting and so what you're playing for is the cutscenes between levels or like the level there are several levels where there's like a a song that breaks out in the middle of it or something but like by the end i was like i am just playing this to see the end you know like it really I kind of ran out of mechanical interest significantly before the narrative ended.
0: Yeah, it's it's super early on. They teach you something. It's like, oh, that's an interesting idea where Leo, you're kind of fighting undead vampires, yada, yada, yada. But, uh, you know, you can roll through stuff. There's a lot of dodging around, jumping around. And then if you go through furniture, you get wooden stakes from breaking this furniture apart. And then that's how you can like stab the vampires and all that stuff. It's like, oh, it's kind of cool to like to have some incentive for jumping and rolling through stuff, it's like if you had smashed a pot in Zelda and got something that was, like, core to the combat every time you did that. That's kind of the effect. It's just a super smart little marriage of those two ideas.
2: Yeah, there's there are a lot of details that I like. Like, you have to manually reload. There is no... When you right. get to the bottom of a clip, it will not automatically reload. And so it you get two sections where you've like emptied out all of your guns and there are things still coming at you and you're like switching between like your shotgun and your SMG and your pistols and they're all out of ammo, which is like a fun, stressful feeling. But like the things that you're shooting are, are just, they're not like worth it, you know? So it's, it's tough because there are a lot of design things that I really like about this game. And then some that just, you know, I, I think it's a super ambitious game and its scale kind of exceeded it in some way
0: yeah yeah i can hear that it's from a strange scaffolds and a developer they made an airport for aliens currently run by dogs and they released sunshine shuffle that came out earlier this year too but i still can't believe that's the <laughs> the head of the studio who's doing the vo like that's such a recipe for disaster i know and the fact that he pulls it off so <laughs> well is ridiculous <laughs> uh yeah it's like six hours long apparently for this thing it's out on everything but ps5 and also not on switch but it's everywhere any chance you stick with it charles
1: um i don't know i i think i have to give it more time because i was really just dipping in to make sure i was like familiar with what it is i yeah. do have a question yeah uh so vampires the right. mistakes right right shoot right. them you can shoot vampire... I mean, in the game, you can. This was just the question I had for Jacob, who's played more of it, of... Usually, vampires are very specific killing conditions, and it seems like you're just shooting a lot of them. And that kind maybe,
3: of... maybe all the bullets are silver. Uh, You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. Or is that werewolves?
1: It's just if... Or wood. <laughs> sure. Uh, and then it just becomes a thing of, like, all right, if the, if it's not specific vampire killing rules, then... Uh, our main character really should have brought a knife with him instead of having to pick up stakes all the time but yeah. that's not that's not that's no. neither here nor there i just i i will say the game
2: actually has even though I'm, I'm not sure if it addresses that or not but it does have like a pretty specific fiction there are a lot of kind of like audio logs or just kind of passing lines where it's like our character is kind of a blade or like a buffy the vampire slayer where it's like he's been doing this for a while and he's very familiar with like the different types of ghouls and goblins and so like i think it actually has a pretty good internal
0: fiction what the bullets are made of aside <laughs> okay, okay uh yeah if if we haven't uh driven this home enough like a stake through your heart this game is max Payne. like if you like the old max Payne games check out this game if you like popping pills and jumping in slow motion and lying on the ground after you've done the jump and continue shooting and it, it more than anything like impressed with the style of el paso elsewhere and then also it was just a reminder of, like god Forgot how amazing the first Max Payne was right when it came out. Like playing that just the PS2 version, it was just like going over to a friend's house. You have to see this. This is the coolest thing ever. And it turns out it might be. And Remedy's remaking it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're remaking it. And they said they're combining one and two into, into one game, which is an interesting idea. But both those games are, I guess, short enough where it's like, all right, curious to see how it goes. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Charles, you do have to keep playing it, even if you don't want to, because every time you get a game over in the game, uh, the text just says you keep going, which is a much better thing to see <laughs> instead of just game over. So there's no and way then, out, buddy.
2: Here's the really cool thing. If you game over multiple times in the same level, the second time it says you keep going, it's like faster. So the first time it's like you keep going. And then the
0: second time it's like you keep
3: going. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really cool.
0: That's a smart idea. El Paso elsewhere. The name of that thing. Um, Leo, you ready? Let's try it. All right. First quiz of the day. Jacob Geller, what's the name of this game we're talking about? Oh, I I even said it like <laughs> minutes ago. The game is Codex called Codex something? That's right. Codex comma something. <laughs> that was the working title. The actual release title is Shadow Gambit: The Cursed <laughs> Crew. Uh, Leo, what's your experience with this thing?
3: Oh, Oh, I love it. Yeah. What an interesting time for me to get into it right before Assassin's Creed came out, because then it's even more so can't help but compare it. Because this is a stealth game that's really systemically rich. It's kind of top down, but it is still controlled real time with great controller support. That's how I've been playing it. So it's kind of got those strategy elements of really planning and that precision stealth feeling of knowing all the information that you could possibly want to have of everybody's view cones studying their patrols seeing from above every bit of their patrol what they go and do having all that information but still having that kind of like tactile way to interact with it which i find i often need to really get sucked into a game and i'm fully sucked into this Ooh, how much have you played I have no idea. Probably 10 hours at this point. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh dude, Leo, I am totally with you. We talked a little bit about this studio. It's the studio Me Me Me. They're um freaking we're always talking about Me 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 on this podcast, right, Jacob Keller? <laughs> uh okay. no, but uh we talked about them in the community questions. Uh, Jeff Um was a big fan of their previous games, like Desperados 3 and stuff. And so heard about them plenty and heard about this game, but I just didn't connect because in my mind it was pitched as like, oh, it's tactics stealth. I was like, uh, ah, that's extremely not my jam. But Leo, I started this thing, first of all, perfect Steam Deck game. And second of oh, all, yeah. it's just one of those games you start it's like immediately just overwhelming sensation. of Like, this is so well done. This is such a rock solid game. And then it's like, oh, wait, this is real time stealth. This just feels like isometric dishonored. Like it's so much better than I think the pitch of uh, tactics stealth. It's, it's much more
3: active and interesting than that if you're not a tactics fan. Totally. Uh, and the way it expands past that in complexity, like maybe you could beat this whole game on certain difficulty levels without ever pausing and doing this. But a mechanic that I use all the time is that like plan and execute. It pauses the yeah. game and you can set the next action or two that your guys are going to do. You have a team of three for most missions once you get into it. And you end up like I'm on the second to highest difficulty, which is a jump up in terms of difficulty of enemy setups. It does a good job of showing you, like, their view cones are going to be longer. Here's all the things that are going to be harder if you choose this difficulty. And the enemy setups, having just one person I can kill and carry into a bush and get them out is so rare. It really? is. So much more often I have to study this camp. Here's all the patrols. Here's who's going to see who if I try to do something and then go, Okay, maybe I can if I get these three at once, nobody will see. And then you have to focus on doing distractions to get your three people in position. And then you do your little pause and set those actions and execute. And then watching your three characters do the three things you told them to do is super, super satisfying. And you do that not just for kills, but for, like, hiding bodies quickly. Yeah. Like, all these... You find these little pockets of time you have to make stuff happen in, and having little plans to execute on the fly like that feels so good and controls so well.
0: Do you think that uh, deeper into this game, even on a normal difficulty, I will need to jump into that, too? I'll need to get used to, like, the plan and execute instead of doing everything real-time? Probably.
3: Okay. I, I, are, are you on the second difficulty? I, I think assume? I'm just on normal, yeah. Yeah. If it's... Like, on one difficulty higher, it is, like, from the second level, I have never seen something and gone, like... It's so rare I see something and go, this feels possible. Like, I literally will stare at these encampments for ten minutes and go, like, there's no way to do this. <laughs> Next mission, I gotta bump the difficulty down. But invariably, I will find this one little point, which is always the most satisfying part about stealth games, and is really easy in Assassin's Creed, really difficult and nuanced in Hitman, and great in this is, like observation and patience being rewarded in oh this is the little weak point that i can uh you know take advantage of and with these characters you feel so smart in the ways you're taking advantage of it the character designs are awesome and so so varied and it's like eight characters with all completely different abilities there's one that can go underground and pop out and kill somebody and pull them back under the earth or as i did just go underground pop up at a cannon, hit fire on it to take out two people and dip back down under the earth and all in like a half-second window where a guy is not looking at you. That's so sweet. And there's also a Hitman-type guy that can possess bodies. And another... another. This one was one of the hardest things I ever did was this one little base that I looked at for, I swear to God, 15 minutes. (laughs) I was like, I should just do something else, come back to this with fresh eyes, but I didn't. And the solution that broke the whole thing wide open was... I go and with this guy who's in disguise, you're allowed to just walk around enemy places, but you're really limited how far you can go. Walk, turn off a light. And then this guy sees it, goes, oh, I got to go turn that light back on. He goes over to it. And I interrupted him just by just pressing A to distract. And your character will have a little conversation with him. And in that window where he's looking away and the light is off, I had somebody else slip behind and go into this building where then I could start picking people off and like work out of that as a base. Perfect. Perfect. Little moments like that are so, so satisfying and it's so, it doesn't feel like it was designed to be solved that way. It's these giant, giant levels with hundreds of enemies and you can carve your way through it to get to the objective in any way with any set of characters. And it feels so self-driven in that way.
0: And then the cool thing is once you finish a mission, then it'll show your path,
3: like kind of the breath of the wild map, like, duck, 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 like all mm-hmm. the different areas that you win to complete it. It's such a cool idea. I have watched that every single time. Yeah. And been fondly remember like, oh yep, that's how I did that. And then you see the three guys do three kills at once. And you're like, yep, that was awesome.
0: Yeah. And, and they really, they encourage you heavily in the beginning to like use quick save and quick load. Like it's contextualized within the world. Like, oh, we have memories, these spheres things. And like, they taught me how to do it, and I'm one of those idiots who's like, oh, I'll get back to that, I'll use it at some point. But they really beat you over the head with like, you should be using this all the time. Get used to quick save, quick load, please.
3: Which is something I want to talk about, because that is like the standout best thing about this game, I think, that other games should learn from, is the quick save mechanic. It never quick saves for you, except for the start of missions. It just reminds you by putting a little bell yeah. on screen, like in the world, because... In the lore, it's the soul of your ship that you're telling to capture the memory of this moment. And whenever you capture it or load from it, there's some line of dialogue about like, okay, let's try that again or whatever. And integrating that into the lore and having there be no load screen, it's just like a couple seconds of this memory like smashing open in this cool animation. The way it makes it feel like Quick saving and quick loading is a part of the experience of a game like this, which it is. It's not you're screwing up until you do it the one right way. It's like this whole thing is one adventure that you're having with these people. I think that's such a smart way to reframe it in your mind and be less frustrated. It's like explicitly constantly going, this is how you play the game.
0: Yeah. How often are you unlocking characters? Uh, Because the whole premise for the game, I guess we haven't really said too much, but... uh, it, shadow Game at the curse crew of course jacob is uh pirates uh and so you're on like a ghost ship and then you're like using a black pearl to revive different corpses on the ghost ship at least in the beginning to like start to get your characters and stuff so is that a big chunk of the game is kind of just building up and that's the reward is finding more and more corpses to revive with black pearls
3: yeah you need one Soul energy and one Black Pearl, and it's a mission each to get those with some four story missions in between. And the whole narrative so far has been like you have to build up your group of people. Like that is essentially the narrative, right. So that's mainly what you're focused on. And it ends up being like once every hour or two, depending on how long the missions take you, Sometimes they can take a really long time and And the character designs I do want to shout out to yeah. the main character you get. Uh, her sword is impaled in her chest. It's because you're all undead. You're a cursed crew. So that's like her when she shes she like, it. Yeah, yeah. She pulls it out of her chest. And it's like, in the side conversation, I found out it like places her in space time. And when she takes it out, that's how she can do her blink move. Oh. Where she jumps like 15 uh, feet across and kills somebody. Interesting. Okay. There's some surprisingly cool narrative stuff like that. And every character I've gotten so far has been so unique and cool. The treasure hunter guy who is headless and has a treasure chest on his back and a fishing pole that he can use to interact with things from afar, drop, like, environmental things on people, or pick up bodies. So often my plan is, okay, this guy can get in, but then they have to spend the next couple seconds getting out. Absolutely, there's nothing else they have time to do, but I can have this treasure chest guy yoink the body with the fishing roll and pull it back into cover. And that being one plan that gets set in motion, like the way bodies matter like that, and the way there are all these different characters with all these cool ways to deal with them. And you're getting these characters in your chosen order. You're choosing who to revive and when based on what sounds fun. Yeah. The character variety, I think, is what elevates this from good to great for me, for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, even the first choice for me, I assume it's the same for everybody. It's like, okay, you kind of get like a plant person, like a plant-based lady or a wild Japanese skeleton guy who I like when you revive him immediately. He's like, ah, the Japanese thing. He's like, I've been dead for a lot longer than I was ever in Japan. So like, I'm just a skeleton. Uh, don't pay attention to the Japanese thing too much. But it's like, all right. I love the idea of like, God, I forget what it was. He had some ability where I'm like, well, as cool as a plant lady sounds, like I can't say no to the skeleton. It was some, some distraction technique that seemed really good. I'm trying to remember the specifics of it. But
3: You're always choosing between things that sound great. Yeah. And then when you're in the mission using them, you're like, I can't imagine having anything else here, but that's true for no matter what combination of characters you're bringing.
0: Yeah, in the Monday meeting, I made some reference to this, Leo, and you said, what? Um, Do you know the saga of the studio shutting down? Not at all. Yeah, so Mimi Me Me is the name of the developer and just, was it last month or so, they announced that uh, the studio was shutting down and it was one of those just like heartbreakers of the industry because you look, it just had this track record of releasing this style of game and all of them have been super high quality. I mean, the reviews for this thing for the people who play it are off the charts. Um, and once again, the name of this game is Shadow Gambit, the cursed crew. Um, it's like everybody loves it. It's just it never quite locked into a wider audience, and so they sent out an announcement, just being like, ah, you know, we've been doing this for a while. For our own mental health, uh, we're just gonna stop. We're just we're shutting down as a studio. We can't do it anymore, and it's just heartbreaking to see. But I guess in like this strategy focused world, when a game like Marvel's Midnight Suns can't even pull it off. It's like, I guess a great indie like this, it's just a tough spot to break into.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's really sad. I know this is like a spiritual sequel, the stealth element of it from another game of theirs called Shadow Tactics. Yeah, yeah. So I'm interested to check that out after this one. But yeah, that's a bummer because I feel like this came out in August, right?
0: Uh, it came out recently. It's pretty recent, yeah. Yeah, it's really right after it released everywhere. But um, how'd you find it?
3: Uh, I saw it in my Epic library. Oh. And sometimes you got to go with your gut. I looked yeah. at the Steam page and I was like, why not give this an hour? Yep. And I fell in love. There we go. Shadow Gambit the
0: Cursed Crew. It's available absolutely everywhere. I got to say, I it's a it's a great Steam Deck game and like I if I didn't feel compelled to keep up with current games for rotation of this podcast, like the point is this is a game I'm most excited to play more of. When I think of, like, if I just had free time and not a podcast pressing with uh, some other games I got to get to, like, this is the game that I would go back to at this point. Like, I was really, really blown away just by the, the opening of this game.
3: Uh, and Yeah, I'm glad you tried it. It's, yeah, one of those games that, you know, you see overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam. You say there must be something here. And there is. And there is.
0: Shadow Game with the Chris Crew. Uh, Cocoon. Who's been playing Cocoon. Jacob and Charles. Sweet. Uh yeah. Uh Has anybody finished it? No. I just I think I'm about it. halfway. Okay, nice. Uh hot take, Jacob. Hit us. What do you think of Cocoon? Um it, it's uh it's amazing how much you can do with one button. Yes. That is the wild thing. So It's a one-button game. Yeah, I mean, they're running around, but for action, interaction, yeah, it's just the, the one button. But if you don't remember Cocoon, this is from the lead designer, I believe, uh, from the Playdead series, so Limbo and Inside. This is the game, um, we've seen it pop up again and again at some showcases, at uh, Day of the Devs, stuff like that. It is a 3D game, unlike Limbo and Inside, isometric puzzle game where you... It looks like you're a little bug dude, and it's a lot about picking up orbs and moving them around. And it's artsy and atmospheric and uh, cryptic in all those ways. But that is my take as well, Jacob. It's simple but effective. Good ingredients for puzzle design, and turns out that's all you need. Like the pitch of we're going to make a game where the puzzle dynamic is largely just around running around a space and moving an orb around like, yeah, good luck. I don't know what the pitch is here. Exactly. And then you play this. It's like, Oh, this is just a rock solid puzzle adventure game. Got it. I,
2: I think the other, the other major takeaway is sometimes it's okay. If puzzles are easy. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, it's like, I have not been dumped by a puzzle for more than 30 seconds, you know, the whole game. And that's, fine because it's like it's not you know i'm not playing it to tease my brain you know it's like it is it is just like a very satisfying it's just like you know the sounds are good and moving around is good and the puzzles provide like something for you to do that's not walking forward but like you know that that's it's just kind of like the structure for the aesthetics and It's another game where it kind of feels like the aesthetics are the point.
0: Well, I'm kind of curious to see where it goes and if it gets a lot harder in the second half here. It's only like a four-hour game to beat. It's pretty short overall. Um, But, I mean, even, like, Inside, as much as I love that game, I don't think of it as, like, truly devious puzzles. Like, as somebody who's wary of my own intelligence when it comes to puzzles, I was never beating my head against the wall stump and Inside, you know? No, but but Inside has a lot of parts where you die right like right in, inside inside is
2: like a platformer with puzzles and this has no platforming and there have been like two boss fights but more or less no uh you, you're not you're not ever going to die in the world by like falling off something
0: that's uh um, is it always the case because like in the first boss fight instead of dying, you just kind of get tossed out because they deal with these orbs as they're kind of like world within the orbs. So I thought it was yeah. such a smooth, cool thing. Like instead of just game over screen or you keep going game over screen, which is so trite at this point, just to have the boss be like, blah, and just toss you and just like, blah, go flying out of the orb and then just jump back in and keep continuing the boss fight. Yeah. It's a cool idea.
2: Um, yeah. And and I mean, like the we should talk about the the going in going out <laughs> right is so good looking that it's like the whole basically the whole structure of the puzzles is you have like a world in a marble and a world outside a marble and then you have more marbles that you're carrying around that each have like different worlds in them and so you're kind of like hopping into them to like Activate things inside and outside and move to places inside that you couldn't get outside and and et cetera. And it's just like the animation of jumping a layer down or coming a layer up is like so nice looking and just kind of instantaneous and like it feels, you know, it feels like it would be like a, a thing that happened in a cutscene once, but it's like a major gameplay mechanic and you're just doing it constantly. Uh, it, like inside, it is just like impeccably smooth.
0: Yeah. You know? Yep. That has another big takeaway is picking it up. It's like for a puzzle game, it's like you're somehow it feels great to run around in this little isometric puzzle game. I don't know if it's like the speed of your little bug dude or what, but just immediately just feels so solid. But yeah, Charles, what do you think so far?
1: Yeah, I was going to say just the... The fact that the puzzles are simple enough that you don't have to think about them very long I think allows the game to have you focus on other things. Of like The fact that I, the world is so kind of cryptic and abstract, the fact that I'm just like, oh, I'm going to run this orb here and this is going to make a bridge appear or whatever, I can really be like, what are these things? Who is this guy? I got an achievement that said I unleashed... I can't even remember what it was. It was like a, a moon demon or something. And right, I was like, right the game didn't tell me that i don't know how i was supposed to know it was called that um but yeah I, I i appreciate that the game it it's like clears its plate of one thing to make a lot of room for another thing right um and i i will say i played it on steam deck uh and i thought it would be really like perfect for it but it kind of had trouble running the jumping in and out of worlds things like that was Causing like some stuttering and freezing on my version. Oh, I have like the lowest oh. model of Steam Deck or whatever. Sure. Um. So that was that was kind of surprising to me because I didn't think it would be that uh, uh, intense. Yeah. But, I mean, it it works everywhere else, so it's not like a deal breaker or anything. But
0: yeah, um, it it is yeah. available on Switch. I haven't looked into that version too much, but it's available everywhere. It's also on on Game Pass too. If you want to check out cocoon here but yeah i think I, i'm I'm gonna stick with this one a nice short experience in that vein like i'm i'm intrigued to see everything this game has to offer
2: it almost feels like this is a comparison that will put people off so if it's that's you don't listen to me Perfect. but it it kind
0: of reminds me of scorn
2: from last oh, year like your super gross uh, uh geiger game yeah just because it's like a wordless story you're interacting with these weird like almost organic or actually sometimes very organic feeling like machines and like you're making bridges, but the bridges seem like they're made out of like bones or like weird stuff. It's just like it's it, everything feels very like tactile and very kind of sticky. And you're like, Oh, I don't know if I want to touch that, but your little bug touches it. And it's just like, it's a, it, it's, it is a great sense of place for, um, uh, you know, an isometric game that doesn't really have any, uh, any narrative as far as i can tell
0: <laughs> yeah are you more intrigued by the narrative of cocoon jacob or humanity
2: a human i mean humanity is uh, much higher on my list this year than cocoon generally okay. gotcha. uh, humanity rules
0: humanity rules everybody uh cocoon check it out everybody uh yeah no people in the community have been playing that i seem red hot on it the name of the developer is technically geometric interactive here and then it's an annapurna joint but you could have guessed that just by looking at it, I imagine. It's as Annapurna as it gets here. Um, let's see. I've been playing the reboot, I guess you'd call it, for Forza Motorsport. The new Forza game is out. This is not the Horizon series. This is the main line, the racing game, where it all began. Um, so this is the first one that's just for modern systems here. So no last gen. This is just for the modern Xboxes. Um, I assume there are a handful of people out there like me that love the the Forza Horizon games and have always been curious about the mainline. Like, somehow I've dodged playing a mainline Forza through its entire existence. Um, and so jumping to this one, I was curious how it went. Um, and turns out it's fun. It's good. I mean, the high-level simplistic takeaway is like, you know, if you like Gran Turismo 7, you'll probably like Forza Motorsport. If you want to play... An unbelievably good looking racing game that's not open world, Forza Motorsports is going to be your ticket. Leo, is there any chance you'd ever check out a non open world racing game like Forza?
3: Um, Being that I wouldn't even check out an open world racing game, probably <laughs> <I know>. not. <laughs> Damn it. But I hope there's a podcast out there that only does racing and sports games. Yeah. And fills this hole in the market. And for, th- the, for those poor people who like them and don't have a people talking about them very much
0: and then it's just topping the charts and none of us are paying attention but if we just dabbled more in that arena i do i do wonder you know the same way that i think like with you know action adventure games open world rpgs all this stuff has kind of that clamoring kind of an assassin's creed style wave like just make a smaller game not everything has to be an open world stop going open world with everything like i do think that exists within the racing community and so to imagine yeah. they're very thankful for something like this and it's even just you know, as somebody who's not sick of open-world racing games, like, it's nice to jump into a game like Forza Motorsport here. Um, And just, like, it's nice to get to know a track. Like, you pick a track, you go through a whole list here, and then you just do a practice run of that track, and then you jump into the race. And so just getting that sense of, like, okay, I really need to care about this turn, it's something that doesn't exist, I feel like, in most open-world racing games, where it's like, I just go over here, go over here, blah, 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 blah. You know, so that level of focus and study. And also, just if you're never... If you've never gotten into one of these racing games, the same goes for like Gran Turismo 7, where it's just, there's some of the cleanest, prettiest games around. Just smooth, fine dining, you know? It's like, it's just a nice, chill vibe. We're going to bring you through this one step at a time. And Jacob, now that you fall in love with Armored Core 6, you can get into this and you can get into tinkering a car. Because what's better than a mech Hmm. other than a
3: car? Take the guns (laughs) away. And 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 then I'll just just get into, I don't know, carpentry. I'll just like build a house. I'm not saying don't. Uh, No, it is nice. If you're worried about that
0: level of luck, I don't care about my engine parts. Uh, It's just for Forza here in the mainline thing, you can hit one button. It like auto builds everything for you. And then you can just stick with the racing. And, you know, it's on Game Pass. It's coming out October 10th if you want to check it out. But I, I I had a good time with it.
2: Do you think this game would help you go from gamer to racer?
0: I think it'll (laughs) probably help you go from Gamer to Racer. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the film. You think one day they'll make
2: a movie about you?
0: (laughs) I could only, (laughs) only hope. Um, Oh, Also, uh, talking about it being just so good-looking, because it is so good-looking. I mean, what do you think is the best-looking console game right now on the market that you can buy?
3: Console game? Yeah. Um...
2: Is it this? I mean, I feel like it's always racing games, right? Yeah,
0: it's kind of the boring it's answer. Like, but is it is it still Drive Club on the PS4? The somehow best it is. Game I've ever seen. <laughs> somehow it is. Man, I'm still kind of locked in that model too. Like, for, I feel like for so long, I always just went for my default answer like, well, the order 1886 is the best looking console game, you know? And now it's like, well, something surpassed it. I just don't have a confident take on what it is. So let's all just agree that it's Forza. I mean, it's also, it's weird because things are just, things are good and
2: bad at different things. Like, I, I think about this a lot mm. because I, like, uh, recently played Last of Us Part 2 for, uh, something wrong in my podcast. And it's like, there are no faces that look better than the faces in that game. Yep. Like, it's just like, n- nothing even feels close. Uh, you know, but, but then that's like, it's not the best at everything, but you do see, you know, playing another game, you look at Assassin's Creed and it's like, man, this is, 400 times worse faces than the last of us but it's like it's doing a bunch of stuff that the last of us couldn't do so like you know i'm not going to say it's worse you know in total
0: yeah oh backstage pass is saying what about calypso protocol jacob those faces versus last of us faces
3: oh those are those faces are really good Good faces good faces i think it's the most beautiful thematically
0: yeah we all agree about that (laughs) Uh, oh, the weird thing about Forza here is uh, it's it's refreshing to see this level of just raw horsepower. But it's the first time I've seen it where it's like, hey, uh, performance mode running at 60. It's also going to be running at 4K here. Uh, it's oh, like, oh, cool. that, what Ooh. a rare thing. They're really doing it. And then you can choose for a 1080 option or a variable resolution option that has ray tracing on it as well, which I tried on like a nice TV. And I don't really, I don't, I don't see the ray, tra- I don't get it. No, Leo, too. I, I okay. kind of
2: think yeah. ray tracing is a psyop. Every time it's like, <laughs> it'll make your game run half as good, but look at this. I'm like,
3: what, what am I looking at? Ray tracing, don't you see it? I, it's in my mind, because literally last night I was out walking around after it had just rained, and the night... Uh, streets reflecting the streetlights and I was like, this looks like some good ray tracing.
0: But reality dipped <laughs> to like 20 frames per second when you were looking at it?
3: Yeah, I had a really stuttery walk animation.
0: <laughs> uh, Leo, speaking of stuttery walk animations, as you walk to the store again and again to buy a, copies, uh, a copy of Writers Republic. Walk, that don't run. That's right, Leo. Tell me about, <laughs> they added skateboarding to Writers Republic, your beloved
3: game. They finally did, and it's right outside the window of... Or maybe it's way outside. I I don't know what time is, but it was uh, outside the first year. So if you had a year one pass, you have to pay for skateboarding anyway. And it's 25 to 40 bucks, depending on what version you get, which is a little steep. Yeah, ironically. Uh, But I think it's really good. It's like BMX in that, you know, I went into it going, they're going to have to make some Cuts to fit it into Riders Republic's controls and being in a game with eight other sports. It's not going to be quite as tight as a a dedicated BMX game, a dedicated skateboarding game or whatever. But just like BMX, it blew my expectations away that way. It's like, you know, 80% of the way there. And that's way higher than it has any right to be. It's in itself a really solid skateboarding game that feels a lot like skate. I mean, okay, it feels like skate because
0: everyone just goes, oh, this doesn't feel like Tony Hawk. Therefore, it's trash. I mean, but this is more in the skate line than the Tony Hawk line
3: uh I, yeah definitely the w- the way tricks work feel a lot more skatey okay and there's a lot more than i thought there would be tricks wise i don't know if anybody cares about this but they added like a new button for different types of grabs so now you can do more grabs than i thought you'd be able to do all right and so, that's fun but it's really gotten me thinking like you know i'm past the point where i really am dying for a new skateboarding game like i will play them but i won't get obsessed with them and With Skate 4, it's like, I'm sure that'll be cool, but it's hard to picture it being more appealing to me than like skateboarding as part of this service game where I have all these other sports and all these outfits unlocked and where it's all connected and where the second I get bored of skateboarding, I can switch to another sport. Right. Like that's an enticing product.
0: Yeah. So the takeaway for Skate 4 is going to be like, hey, it's solid. But if you dig into Writer's Republic, secretly there is skateboarding that is equally as satisfying, except you can do a whole lot more. No, nobody's gonna say that. No one's until
1: that. until they had BMX to skate four.
0: Right,
3: and right, it's a, right. A old
1: Uno reverse card.
3: Yeah, they backdoor skate their way. Skate four has into... a wingsuit. What's happening here? Is that a stink bug? Oh, big old bug that was just on my foot. Big oh, old.
0: Bug. Leo's bringing out the stink bugs on the podcast. That's pretty cool, actually.
3: <laughs> oh, but it comes with a skateboarding career that's like fifteen <laughs> events that are that are fun. Uh. Nothing very surprising except the fact that it works as well as it does.
0: Yeah. And it's an When was the last time you booted up *Redditor Republic before this?
3: Um, month or two ago. Okay. All right. It's definitely a game I keep installed to to check in on and always mean to get further in the season pass than I do. Right. But hey. it's fun every time I boot it up, there's no doubt about that. Hey, we're proud of you, man. We're glad you stuck with it. You're
0: Spread the good word about Rogers Republic in a way no one else is. Thanks. And it'll live forever. Uh, hey, Jacob, uh, Haley talked about it a little bit. Uh, Goodbye, Volcano High. The Dinosaur High School game. Uh, did you right. finish this thing? I finished it. Okay, uh, Haley had, last time we talked about it, without spoilers, um, how does it end? Does it land well? Oh, I thought you meant how does it end,
2: and I was like the way it promises to end. But, uh, but yeah, Ooh. well, I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen more people talking about this game. I mean, I know that it is, like, it's a big season for games, obviously. Like, there are a million things coming out. This podcast is three hours long, uh, as we've just been talking about every game. But, um, uh, this game has been in development for a really long time. Uh, It has a really striking visual style. Uh, And it came out, and it, like, basically delivers on, I feel like, everything that it was promising to do, um... It's here. Here's a statement. Probably the best looking visual novel I've ever played.
0: OK, uh, sure. If,
2: if you want to classify it like that, because it is like it is animated in a way that almost none of these games are like right. it really. It really looks like you are watching like a mid budget. kid like like maybe I don't know steven universe or like you know honestly it has it has a lot of my little pony energy in the character design but i say that as someone who's not a fan of my little pony but recognize that that show has like strong character designs you know it's like the the characters are like they the frame the framing is done well it's not like you're seeing just the same character portrait constantly whenever they pop up it feels like they're like standing in their environment um And the other thing about it is, like, the music, because it's, like, a game about being in a band, is, like, the best band I've heard in a video game. Like, a fictional band created for a game, like, head and shoulders above other stuff.
0: Wow,
3: that's sweet. Even Uh, Night in the Woods.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. I think Night in the Woods is, like, a pretty good comparison for this game in a lot of ways because it's like you know it's about being like a kind of aloof teenager or whatever but like Night in the Woods I think still sounds a little video gamey and like these songs they they legit sound like a Phoebe Bridgers song or something mm. like they yeah. are you do not have to put the for a video game after talking about how these songs are good and I've just been like listening to the soundtrack like I would listen to an album
0: yeah Cool. Yeah, it's interesting to like put this out. Same year as like Stray Gods, another kind of visual novel, but also with big musical sequences going through it. Then We Are OFK came out not too long ago, which is also right. kind of the, the same thing, you know, first day. Yeah,
2: I, I haven't played OFK. I have or I haven't played Stray Gods. I have okay. played OFK, and it's like the the OFK music is just not, you know. Also, obviously, it's subjective, but like. This is really hidden, and they're, the main voice actor uh, also does all the singing for uh, that that character, and, like, they are really, really strong.
0: It's a regular El Paso elsewhere situation. Again.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, there's got to be... someone got to rank all the video games where the main character also does vocals in the soundtrack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. uh Volcano High, but, uh, I mean... Where you think any chance it, like, makes your to 10 levels of good? Or is just, hey, this is a really good little dinosaur visual uh, level? It, people it would definitely be on my second 10. It might, okay. might be on my
2: top one. I think, you know, it is... It will test your tolerance for, uh, shall I say, Life is Strange-style dialogue, yeah. which, like, I don't think is bad. Like, I think Life is Strange is a good game, but, like, you gotta get over that hump of, like... it. it it's going to be a little cringy to listen to at first because they're high schoolers and like also it's adults writing high schoolers or whatever, but like, yeah, it just, it's, it's very earnest and very kind of on the nose sometimes. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a game about being in high school. So if you have a tolerance for that, I think it's really good.
0: Oh, sweet. Yeah. Volcano high. I know Haley really enjoyed it too. Uh, Leo, do you know how this whole thing operates? This whole podcast we're doing right now? How many guesses do I have? You have three, guesses guess answer me guesses 3
3: <laughs> money in a way coins specifically some would say okay so i'm circling it uh cashier's checks that's
0: right, which can be deposited at patreon.com slash with two N's. Select a tier that's right for you. We should have a penny tier or some sort of coin based tier. <laughs> Would that be fun? Where you just like you put it in like a little arcade machine, a little quarter every month.
3: Point for your Witcher tier
0: that's right uh, go there find a tier that works for you any tier whatsoever you can vote on which game we're tackling next for the deepest dive also you unlock a ton of benefits over there so find the tier that's right for you because if you find something that's sustainable for you that means that it's sustainable for us so thanks everybody for jumping over there to patreon.com slash with two ends. and thank you to some of our biggest supporters I'm talking about folks like HelloFresh who's better than HelloFresh name one person better than HelloFresh Leo
3: uh uh good person. Struggling to think of a good person yeah, here. Yeah. You can't do it right to me. No. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's what I thought. They have conquered the earth, this HelloFresh. They say with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That of course is why it's America's number one meal kit. Uh, you know, if you get got a busy time in your life coming up, which it looks like I'm going to have a very busy time coming up on top of having a little newborn baby, I need things like HelloFresh. Every time I open my fridge and there isn't HelloFresh meals in there, I spit on the floor in a blinding (laughs) rage. It's just horrific. But yeah. HelloFresh can help out. A crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every week. There's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. They want you to know. You can turn to HelloFresh Market for yummy add-ons and enjoy the season's limited-time fall flavors lineup. Feast on desserts like... Okay what's better than this? Desserts like apple cider cake with caramel sauce or please a crowd with appetizers like the barbecue pulled pork nachos. And don't forget the mini pumpkin cheesecake, perfect for a me-time treat.
3: Go and to, to, the, to add one of the add-ons is a little container of spit you can just dump on the floor, which saves right. you time and energy. We're here to help. Go to HelloFresh.com slash
0: 50minmax Use code 50minmax for 50% off plus free shipping. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50minmax Minmax and use fifty Minmax as the code for fifty percent off plus free shipping. Also, thank you to our friends at i8bit. They want you to know about Toem. They have the Nintendo Switch Physical Edition for Toem in IM8Bit's wonderful online store. Uh, It includes four character standees, allowing you to photograph your favorite characters in the wild, just like in the game. It's a very cool idea. They also have the PS5 Physical Edition, IM8Bit exclusive, and you can also get it with the vinyl soundtrack or buy the vinyl soundtrack separately for Toem. And because it's an IM8Bit joint, you know that it looks amazing great presentation help support them they're doing cool stuff all around the game industry check out their online store and you can use the promo code oops all ghouls oops all ghouls for ten percent off of everything under one hundred dollars in i8bit's wonderful online store, get somebody a Halloween present. Give that gamer in your life a Halloween present of a lifetime by going to i8bit.com. Help support them because they help support us. They support MinMax in a big way. This i8bit outlet by shipping out a prize each and every week to a member of the community. Whoever submitted the best question over on Patreon, if you support us at any tier on Patreon, again, you can make the show better by submitting a question. We choose our favorite, and this week i8bit's going to ship out. The vinyl soundtrack to the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is so good. This is the original soundtrack, not the licensed music, you know. But it's something that was so good. uh, Once I saw they had that partnership, I immediately reached out. Be like, could I just get a copy of that? Because I really want to have that for my record player. So I was literally laying back on my couch of the other day and listening to that soundtrack on vinyl. It is
3: so cool. That's got the bonus pieces that were like, they replaced with Take On Me, right? Right. Like music that was going to go in certain sequences. Right, right,
0: right. Yeah, so check it out, everybody. And uh, I'm 8 bit is very kind to ship it out So whoever has the best question of the week. So we all have to remember, Charles, every single person who wrote in, and we need to deem them worthy of a Mario vinyl if you're ready for that. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, here we go. Joseph Stenichars says, hey, since we have a Cincinnatian here, I've been craving it since leaving the area. Can Charles please, please explain the wonders of skyline chili to everyone else, and why those who hate it are simply wrong?
1: Whoa, kind of a a bias in that question, which mm-hmm. I agree with. For the oh, record, it's okay. Good. Well, then i like Have the any bias. of you had
0: Cincinnati style chili before? What I'm trying to Only remember what the, there's something on top of it that's novel. I just don't remember what it is
1: underneath it, uh, Is it spaghetti with the spaghetti that's right um okay so here's the thing about cincinnati style chili that people get hung up with don't think of it as chili i think that will immediately <laughs> make you feel better about it because there's a lot of things in this it's basically a meat sauce you're putting on this spaghetti a lot of components that are always or usually in chili that are not in this sauce so right meat yes I assume it's tomato-based. Probably there's not like onions in this. There's no beans. It's basically just like a meat sauce. It's also got some like cinnamon flavor in it. It's not like mainly cinnamon, but it is included. What? Um, and the a three-way a Skyland three-way is Skyland's a a, a a restaurant that serves cincinnati ah, It's like okay. the biggest chain here. Mm. Um, but that's spaghetti. Chili and then a mountain of shredded Wisconsin cheddar cheese.
0: Jesus,
1: um, here's and the then p- you can upgrade from a three-way to a four-way that adds onions or beans. Five-way is onions and bean.
0: Classic um, five-way. Yeah. The okay, I don't want to tell Ohio what to do, but just call it Super Spaghetti. Don't call it Skyline. <laughs> ju- just yeah, ca- call
3: it Super Spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> why, why super spaghetti? Because
0: <laughs> that's a better angle. I'd be more interested. Just, uh, okay, mega spaghetti. How about that? That's a cleaner okay. thing to say in a restaurant, right? <laughs> Omega spaghetti. Alpha Omega
3: spaghetti. It's better than. That's the obvious solution. Yes. We do
0: have. Uh, Guy
1: Fietti came uh, to Blue Ash Chili years ago for Diners, Drivers, and Dives. And they have a special three way that adds. It's, it's, like, huge, and it also adds, like, fried, I think, jalapeno peppers. And that one's okay. the no-freaking-way. And that's a pretty fun name.
0: Uh, no-freaking-way. That seems all right, yeah. Anyways,
1: good. some people say it's really gross, and it's not. It's no. just a food that you've never had before. It's um, so delicious. And I am from Cincinnati, so I do feel very strongly about it. But I also fulfill the stereotype because I probably eat it once a week. <laughs> I, <laughs> eat, it, a I week? eat it all the time. Wow. Jesus.
0: I mean, how many states... Have a signature food. I think half of them are clocking in something for like, this is this is ours, baby. Half? That's half? A good that's, question. that's pretty high. Do you think? Okay, so we got yeah. Ohio for chili. Minnesota, I guess for Juicy Lucy or Tater Tot Hot Dish, I guess. Yeah, Hot
3: Dish is what I hear and see in uh, tourist merch.
0: Okay, so t- that's shops. right. Yep, so if we're talking airport gift shop. We'll highlight the Tater Tot Hot Dish. North Carolina...
2: I mean, it's like, you know, barbecue, but that's shared with South Carolina and other places. A cheer wine, you know, cookout, but the cookout's spread out and is a chain, not a food.
0: Okay, backstage passes, Wisconsin cheese, of course. Philly cheese steak. All right, Pennsylvania. Yep, Yep, you got that. Maine is lobster. I feel like all those freak states up there, they all claim the lobster, don't they? Or is Maine like lobster number one?
1: I would say if you said lobster and told me to name a state, I would say Maine.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: oh, and uh, are, are are we counting like New York pizza? Like, yeah, is it obviously uh, okay? Sure, okay, they okay. can
0: have that. I would give it to California Pizza Kitchen, but I guess they can take it. Uh, like Nashville hot <laughs> chicken, right? So uh-huh, Tennessee, uh-huh. that's claimed. Ooh. Kentucky fried chicken. Kentucky has fried <laughs> chicken. That's right. <laughs> All right. Let us know what states we're missing for signature food in the comments on YouTube, everybody. Uh, aging poorly says hey ben and the charles loving cohorts it's complicated charles we can't explain it to you. Uh, i've been raiding ebay for some cult classics and i'm playing through elite beat agents on the ds this game is pure joy my cheeks hurt from smiling while tapping along to weird dancing secret agents a goofy animated short story and avril Lavigne's skater boy are there any other pure joy games like this that i may have missed this is making me angry just thinking about when Sarah Podorski was so dismissive of he this game. He hated the idea of it so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good game. Uh, it says Okay, so they say, yeah, examples of pure joy games like this I may have missed. I don't mean games that might make you smile every once in a while. I mean games where you can't help but grin like an idiot while playing all the time. Uh, this, you didn't even include what game they were referring to
2: in the question. Yeah. But I, my immediate thought was just rhythm games. Yep. You know, yep. like my version of this is Beat Saber. Uh, you know, and then and then like, if you have a whole crew rock band, uh, is another one that I would describe as like pure joy.
0: Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking Tetris Effect, but mainly again for the music, it's just something it needs to be mm-hmm. like a music focus thing to be constant joy, but. I don't know, it's more like a zen, I guess, than a joy with Tetris Effect. Yeah, it's a, it's a maybe piece. Maybe Katamari? Mm. Is
2: Katamari pure joy? But it's still, it still can be like, ah, I'm frustrated, I need to make it bigger. I do think
0: WarioWare fits this category. Oh, like, oh yeah. Like, just something that'll make me smile for hours on end, like, that's it. Especially going Ma- through a new one, like, you get to encounter new mini-games and micro-games, and, just, and they're dumber than the last, and it's just perfect.
1: My answer is Gang Beasts. Ooh, great. I don't know, one. I don't know if you've ever played Gang Beasts, but it's yeah. a Physics, Goofy, Fighter, and it's just stupid. It's really stupid. It's also like, full disclosure, probably like in my top ten most played games of all time. Whoa. Because whenever my brother's home, we just play a lot of gang beasts, and it's just like our we talk and have all of our <laughs> characters we made in this game. And it's it's very stupid, but it's consistently funny. It's like a just imagining a, a, a fighting game where every time you die, it's hilarious. And that's right, just, right. that's just the spirit right. of it.
0: Yeah. It's like either you have that or you have fatalities in mortal combat. Yeah. Aren't those <laughs> funny too? It's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Not really. Do uh, <laughs> have you played party animals yet, Charles? No, but I want to. Yeah. It seems very up your alley. Yeah, it does. I feel bad. I haven't checked it out yet, but it seems like a great extra life one that we can, we can jump into if we don't get to it before then. Uh, Justin Luttman writes in, they say, "Hey, with Achievement Hunter officially ending after 15 years, do y'all have anything you want to wax nostalgic about for the early days of content creation on the internet? Anything you can pin down that influenced you or brought you joy? Boy, these patrons and their joy. Yeesh. Uh,
2: yes. What do you got? I love this question. Uh, I think all the time about the, uh, the lost art of uh, montages, like call of duty montages specifically were the ones Mm -hmm. i watched which was just you know like ridiculous dubstep really over the top but in many ways very impressive editing and just being like here's the time i'd sniped you know three people with one shot here's when i got you know like a, a a shotgun kill streak that was you know like 20 people in two minutes like it was just like I really appreciated how much uh, how much effort and how much like you know musical sync up that they would do, yeah. and like I don't know where those people have moved to. Like I don't know what what has kind of replaced that, other than because now it's just like streaming. But streaming is not like a greatest hits collection.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hope they're all employed somewhere, living together on an island off the coast of South America. That's kind <laughs> of the dream. I mean, did you ever dabble in that, Jacob? No, because it was, I, I I wanted to,
2: but I was, one, just not good enough at the games, and two, it was, like, capturing footage used to be really hard. Like, yep. I, I didn't have, I didn't have, like, a capture card for an Xbox 360 or whatever, and so... Uh... I it I just yeah I would every time I got a collateral all like four times in Call of Duty that I hit two people with a sniper shot I'd think oh that could have been in my montage but uh no <laughs> I, I, it never happened
0: yeah I do kind of have like it, it is a weird thing to think about it's like oh that I should have gotten into that whole world of yeah editing montages or like AMVs were a big thing early for the internet for me of, yeah. like all right I'm gonna watch so many Dragon Ball Z AMVs to some Linkin Park song over and over and over again it's like I it's weird that I became a video editor after that, and I never, I never made one myself. I never went back and captured a bunch of cool Dragon Ball clips and made some sick AMV. But I think it'd be a fun, a fun editing challenge to try to do it applause. once. I, I think it's on the list, Leo. I think it's somewhere in the uh,
3: bottom of the barrel. Ideas trying <laughs> to make some AMV with anime clips. Nice. I, I'm nostalgic for uh, how attainable it seemed to make something that was popular back then. Like Mm. everybody does have phones with good quality cameras now, but it's still like a lot of the stuff we see is in studios, multi-cam setups or whatever, high budget, high bar setting. But I I really was thinking very recently about like stick fight animations Mm. two stick figures fighting. There was nothing better than that on the internet. And that was something where you go, well, I barely even know what animation is, but I could do that. If there was,
0: I'm not talking to like big budget, but like that level of animation, but everybody agreed that it ruled. Do you think it would do well in theaters? Do you think there's enough like nostalgia <laughs> for Stickman <laughs> fights that you could just do a two-hour film?
3: That was just I, them fighting. Like people I would want watch that. Yeah,
0: people want like events at the theater these days. You know, it's like you can watch yeah. Tom Cruise almost kill himself in Mission Impossible, or like, hey, wouldn't it be wild just to watch
3: Stickman fight for two hours? yeah people cheering I, th- yeah. I think it could make its budget budget back okay all right uh, there there isn't
2: stick men fighting 45 minute compilation that does have 7 million views on
1: youtube
3: oh my god and it's a buyer it- rent thing it's a it's a movie for sale <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> i've honestly had a i had a hard time coming with specific answers i think the, the attainability i remember watching like uh this isn't like games related, but like old Nigahiga videos. And my friends and I are like, oh, we should do that. We could do that. And then we were
0: we couldn't. We weren't nearly as funny. <laughs> I mean, in uh, terms of attainability, though, I mean, don't you think TikTok has really opened those doors back up, Leo? I mean, you're you're a vine king yourself.
3: That's true for certain types of things, for sure. But I feel like there was a time when YouTube was like only people dinking off making stuff with their webcams.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, this I say this with absolutely no
2: disrespect to current uh, video game guides writers because writing guides uh, is very important and it sucks. You know, all respect to you. Uh, a GameFAQs text walkthrough is better than any video game guide that exists yeah Yeah. like i i do not want to watch a video i don't even want to look at pictures i don't want things to be on multiple pages that i have to like scroll through i just want a barely formatted text document that tells me how to play the game you know like yeah playing playing like ps2 games and being able to go back and read game facts because there really aren't the same kind of level for new games it's just like this is so much better than, than reading a guide on a modern website, which are all broken by, like, ad implementation and stuff.
0: Yeah, and you need big ASCII art of, like, the logo for the game at the top of the yeah. guide. That's crucial in there. Yeah, you're right. And, like, it's just the most depressing thing when you're looking at, like, some walkthrough site, some article, how to get through this door in Starfield? And it's just... The text is, like, repeating itself in a weird way. It's like, this is either written by an AI or just a person who just has to hit some word count to make it go through Google or some nonsense. Anytime you search
3: for an answer to anything now, it's like, what is this? Second (laughs) paragraph. Here's why this is this. Yeah. Oh,
0: it's disgusting. Bring back game facts. The nice thing is they're all still there, you know? And I don't think there's a bunch of gross ads, I don't think, dominating game facts at this point.
2: No, and it's why I think that that site... Has two
0: years left.
2: Like it just—it just feels like a thing that's going to disappear, and then we'll all be worse
0: off. Yeah. Game facts, the book—that's the secret. This is my new crusade: Stickman, the movie, and Game Facts, the book—the coffee table <laughs> book where it's just a bunch of those old guides. Nerds are buy that would it. Rule. Uh, Stark stark.com stark writes in they say hey cocoon might be my game of the year you have to play it Uh, we did we did stark we'll play more of it uh this has me thinking about play dead of course while alan wake 2 is about to launch we haven't heard anything about the other two publishing deals that epic announced which were for play dead's next game and gen design which is the creator of Shaw of the colossus his next game um should we be concerned about the silence from epic on these two games Interesting. Jacob's nodding. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it hurts
2: because I don't know inside in the last guardian or maybe two of my favorite games ever. Uh, the Epic news this week. Um, and specifically the, the head of publishing who left and wrote, uh, maybe the most like cold thing I've ever seen in a goodbye letter. Did you see this? No, I can't remember his name, but he was, uh, there've been a number of high profile departures from Epic, uh, in in recent weeks but this dude wrote like essentially epic is moving from a developer and publisher into something else and it requires a different kind of people was like in his thing and i was like <laughs> oh. holy crap Whoa. like that is for a politely worded departure letter that is like one of the most brutal things that you could write so yeah i'm uh, i'm very worried about what epic is doing because it doesn't seem uh, good. doesn't
0: yeah. seem good. So they just laid off 900 people at Epic um, and kind of divested themselves of Bandcamp and a, a marketing agency within there. And so they're taking a hit, but the charitable read might be like, well, Alan Wake 2, they're going to be pushing that. And they don't want to step on Alan Wake's toes by talking about the next game from Ueda or Playdead. And so maybe they want to just roll out one of these at a time.
3: Maybe? Leo says No. There, are, there are also two studios that are that take their time making yeah. b- big bold pieces of art too. So any delay I you know attribute to that just getting harder and harder to do yeah in this landscape. But I think Jacob's right that there's stuff surrounding it that makes it uh more worrying.
0: So what's your prediction, Jacob? Where's it going? Uh,
3: I I don't know. I I think that
2: um they it, <laughs> the thing that they've been working on for like a long time. Epic will just stop funding and maybe they'll pivot and maybe they'll be able to bring that work elsewhere. But like I what I'm sensing is that Epic is going to have less bottomless pockets for projects that just take a really long time. Yeah, that doesn't seem like really what they're trying to do. Uh, And so I'm like these these developers are so specific and they just don't really feel uh, metaverse fueled. You know, it's like inside in The Last Guardian are not like,
0: oh, we can fit this into our metaverse so easily. But then again, it's not like they're publishing a boatload of games. You know, it just feels like they they bet on Remedy. They bet on Playdead. They bet on Ueda. Like, that's, that's a cool three. And if those are just a bottomless pit of money being poured into to make a game, it's like, that seems like a clean break. Let's just get these out the door and then change direction for the future. Like, I'd be surprised if Epic was like, you know what? to yoink, and taking all the money back and kicking them out the door.
3: We've been surprised before.
2: They, they just lied off, laid off 900 people. Like, you know, yeah. I, I do think that that's, that's just something that happens now.
0: Yeah. Hey, Lily S. writes in with a more optimistic take, um, screaming, Why isn't anybody talking about Disgaea 7? It just released, and it's one of Nippon Ichi Software's longest-running franchises. This company releases so many hidden gems, it gets overlooked a lot as far as RPG developers go. Do people not like these games, or is it something else? I think people... I reviewed
3: are... one when I wrote for a blog for free called PlayStation Euphoria. I reviewed a random Disc Guy game. Yeah. And was... I wasn't crazy about it, so that's my reason.
0: Okay, Leo has a I reason. I don't know what the U3
3: have, but I have a pretty good reason.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been contacted by anybody from the publisher angle here about... Uh, any sort of access to the the Disgaea series or anything. So it's too easy to be like, oh, blame the publisher. Um, But uh, also, Disgaea is a weird word, number one. Number two, it's combined (laughs) with the word seven, which is a very high number, which those are two barriers that are tough to get through to find a new audience. To be fair, looked it up, and it does seem like people who are playing Disgaea seven are enjoying it. So we're the fools. There's no doubt about it. But maybe that's your reason for why it's not breaking through. Although... I'm about, yep, to my, a... I'm about to eat my words because it does have a subtitle apparently. Does make it more appealing. Disgaea 7, Vows of the Virtueless. That's right. So
1: I wrote I wrote a preview of this Ooh. for Game Informer, and I hadn't played <laughs> I hadn't played any games in the series. This one adds like jumbification, I think is the word, which I had to write and spell a bunch of times. <laughs> um where you just get so big you kind of stand off the edge of the map. Um what? I don't know. It, it it as a series it's always struck me as something that was like not meant to please a wide audience. It was more of like if this is your type of game, you're going to be so into this and like the damage numbers and they go up into the like millions or something like that. Wow. Um like it's meant it's meant to have that like kind of uh, anime style excess of like over the top uh, uh, numbers and expression and stuff. And All right, it it seems I don't know. It <laughs> it feels like a cop out answer to be like the people that like this like it and that's who it's for. It's, um, yeah, no, but I've... it does very much feel like it's it's got a target audience and it's hitting that, and we just don't happen to fall in that at the moment. Yeah, they made seven of them. You know, you can't do that if there's no
2: audience that's right
3: yeah and i think what people need who aren't into it like us would be like a specific pitch on like why it's cool and why this is the one to jump in on you know i yep. feel like sometimes it's easy to to just be sad that we're not playing it but i think there's we need to be we need a bid you know that's help us lily help us lily
0: uh,
2: yeah, i mean y'all y'all ever play any of those uh yeast games or east
0: you know how they're pronounced. <laughs> it's pronounced yeast uh, no I've never played an East <laughs> game either and I do and it's feel like, bad about a, that
2: there's a 10th one of those coming know, out this year I know and I I've know. heard like I've seen like one person tweeting like hey this is good but like it's the 10th one
0: of a series that I know nothing about they're tough they're tough to, to break into uh, Lee Huber writes in and says hey Min Max Square Enix has finally settled the debate and made a post this week on Twitter saying that <clears throat> the character from Final Fantasy 7 Kate Sith is pronounced Kate Sith And not the Scottish Gaelic pronunciation, (laughs) Ketchy. I'm a bit disappointed by this because I think if you're pulling a character's concept slash name from another culture slash language, you should try to preserve the original pronunciation, even if it's a bit difficult for English speakers. What do y'all think about this? And are there any other names from games that were pronounced wildly different from what you expected? Um, East... Um, probably is up there. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a big deal. We talked about it the podcast of like, oh, the cat from Final Fantasy VII. Of course, I grew up calling him Kate Sith, and then learned later on, no, it's actually Ket-she. I It's like, well, I k, okay, I don't speak. Objectively cooler sounding. It is cooler, but confusing worth. when it's spelled like the words Kate Sith. Um, but I was ready to, you know what? I changed from Eris to Aerith. I'm happy changing from Kate Sith to Catchy, but. It is interesting because, like, I don't think we've heard him talk. I don't think in
2: remake yet. No, I think I think you have because I saw I saw people mad about this and they were like they gave him a Scottish accent. Okay, but they're still making it hate
0: Sith. That's <laughs> odd. Where, where do you land on this, Jacob?
2: Uh, I mean, I have I have no attachment to this character, but it um, <laughs> I don't know. It seems it seems dumb, and I think the Japanese pronunciation is still closer to Ketchi. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and, and it just seems, you know, I kind of, I kind of agree with the, like, like, if you're taking something from a culture, then, like, don't bastardize the pronunciation <laughs> of the thing that you're taking it yeah. from. Like, just, I don't know, just change the spelling of the name to, like, it's not like catchy is hard to pronounce, it's just not what we think when we see those
3: letters. It's like, I pronounce it Mexico, but if somebody says Mexico, I'm not going to say, actually, it's Mexico. Yeah. And in terms of like other
0: metaphor. <laughs> other games where something was pronounced wildly different. Uh it's weird in the Final Fantasy world, like I was floored when I learned that it's Tetis and not Titus. I was like, what do you what do you mean it's Tetis? That sounds horrible. But all right, we gotta get used to it. And then Jacob, it's actually uh Devil May Cry. It turns out you were right the whole yeah, time. Right. Yeah.
1: I hate to keep playing this card, but uh when I was eight years old. And playing Lego Batman. <laughs> <the first time. laughs> this isn't a character name as much as it is like I was just I didn't know all words and the word projectile I read as projectile. Oh, um, and okay. I would I always say projectile. Use your projectiles to hit the target. <laughs> um, everyone's got these projectiles, and it was a thing for like years and years and years. Never came up. I would I would hear the word like projectile vomit. And right. I was like, oh, maybe in the adjective form you say it like that. <laughs> um, and then later found out, I was like, nope, that was wrong, actually.
0: Damn you, Batman.
2: <laughs> I did have a, um, my friend who was the friend who, like, owned the game when I was a kid uh, called Super Smash Bros. Melee uh, Medley. Um which weird. Like almost makes sense. You know, it's like, oh, it's a medley of characters. But he would just be like, Yeah, we're gonna play medley.
3: (laughs) That was a lot of our introductions to the word melee as kids for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. That means you had a good uh, childhood. I, I used to pronounce Shadow Gambit the Cursed Crew Codex something. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: Classic Bob, but then in the opening cutscene they set
0: you straight. Right. Uh, Graham Jones writes in they say what would happen to Min Max if Taylor Swift came on the Min Max Show podcast? It's a great question. Think, uh, a so do of you uh, like Final Fantasy Taylor? <laughs> 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 I bet she's played what do you think is the most recent game that she's given a good dabble to? A good, old-fashioned dabble.
3: Warzone. War... Yeah, probably. Yep. <laughs> do you want to play as Nicki Minaj?
0: <laughs> do, you, do you think that Taylor Swift... I mean, she owned a DS. I'm confident saying she owned a DS. I, I think I'd make the line, I bet she never bought a 3DS. That'll be my Taylor Swift prediction. So probably... DSi? Maybe. Maybe. Playing a Leapbeat Agents, probably. It's good where she got a lot of her musical inspiration. Uh, yeah, has she... Has she dated anyone who has,
2: like, gamer vibes? dear dare she? Who is She's that guy that she dated she previous dates. that everyone hated? Oh, yeah.
0: Was, Was he guy? a gamer? Probably. <laughs> That's um, probably why they hated him. Ninja? It. Yep, Ninja. <laughs> yeah, Ninja. she
3: dated Ninja.
0: <laughs> yeah, if she came on this podcast, I bet Pinecast, the place where we host all of our podcasts, I'm guessing their headquarters would start on fire from all the downloads, But then at the same time, I think it would be a net negative for us. Oh, yeah, it'd be bad. (laughs) I think, like, somehow we would all get attacked um, eight ways to Sunday, and the Swifties would probably find our houses and just vanish us, Um, I think.
3: Adrian says that's a horse girl if I've ever seen one. She did have country roots. It made me think, this wouldn't be the most recent, but The Last of Us 2, I feel like you've got horses... And mm. guitar playing might put it on her radar.
1: <laughs> I you are going to say Red Dead. Also, sure. that's, like, that's like the horse girl game.
3: Yeah, ultimate
0: horse girl fantasy. <laughs> Being Arthur Morgan coughing up blood. Uh, okay, yeah, come on the podcast though, Taylor. Open open door, even though I think it would destroy our lives. You know, you got to go out somehow. It seems fun. Uh, mm. Boba Fett writes in from Inside Event... That was a little addition I did. Uh, they say, if real life had a new game plus option, would you take it? And what would you do differently your second time around?
1: Can I ask some clarifying questions here? I
0: don't think so.
1: <laughs> no, <I> don't... <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm going to. Okay. Uh, so, are what what defines new game plus in this? Like, you're you're retaining knowledge or you're retaining abilities? Like, am I starting over? As a baby and I can speak full English and I know how to play the trombone and stuff.
3: Yeah, Um, I think you'd lose all your possessions, worldly possessions.
2: Also, is it are you starting over in the year that you were born or is it like when you die, you're then like a smart baby in, you know, 2050? Mm
3: -hmm. I think it's the year you're born and your whole life, you know, gets undone. Yeah, which I think is the only way this question becomes difficult. Right, right, right. So w- would you do it all different? Would which
0: you- I would, and you would take that new game plus option for life now.
3: Yes, I would. I'd remember the day I got on OkCupid okay Cupid to meet my partner. I'd memorize that, mm. but the rest I'd be like a savant kid. I would be making videos at age eight that captured the zeitgeist. Just AMVs. I kind of, I kind of think this is
2: a more interesting question. I think about the the version of this where it's like I don't know the future where it's just like, what if I was just a baby that was as smart as me at 28, which is like not a genius, but like way smarter than most babies. It's like, how long could that, could I make like a career out of doing that? Because eventually I would age out of it being impressive, but I could still be like that guy who was the really smart baby.
0: Yeah, that is Mm -hmm. tough. It's like, oh, you're the best at like, Teen Jeopardy, like way to go, kid, but eventually you're gonna be in your twenties and then we're all gonna make fun of you for just being as smart as the rest of us are, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think you can get very far for I used to be a smart baby. That's like child star level. If you could like start
2: a church, you know, when you were like three and then oh, just like maintain essentially make
0: like a cult around you right right oh. that's
3: why was that
0: <laughs> no this is good he's onto something it's what next is the pro- goal
3: of the cult having you're I, like <laughs> I, so i can have a career when i'm 28 yeah. you know out of being a smart baby i just like the the, the short answer this prompt is
1: like if i could start my life all over again <laughs> I would form a cult as a toddler. Do you
0: think, Jacob, with your YouTube following, do you think genuinely if you just upload a video that was like 10 minutes, but it was just you talking to camera and it was 100% sincere, be like, we're starting a cult and I want you to join me. Meet me on this commune in North Carolina. How many people would show up?
3: 100%? Four.
0: (laughs) Four? Four people. Okay, but you guys would have a really good time. It would just... Oh, that would be the coolest people. That would be the coolest. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> nothing but four-ways and four-way chilies just all day, every day. It'd be the <laughs> sweetest. Let you say
3: surprise, I'm just looking for cool friends to hang out with. <laughs>
0: <I> <laughs> you passed the test. It's like a Willy Wonka situation. Uh, let's see. Uh, Travis and Fargo writes in and says, hey, what's your pillow situation? Great question. Great question.
3: I got a nice silk pillowcase for my birthday. I would wake up every morning. The pillowcase would be on the floor and the pillow would be skinned because I'm such a (laughs) tosser and turner. And my girlfriend really thoughtfully got me a silk (laughs) pillowcase that zips up at the end and now it doesn't happen anymore.
0: Oh, my God. That's smart. Uh, And okay. And the pillow itself, happy with it?
3: Happy with it. I think there's a better pillow out there for me that I need to take the time to to really look for. <sighs> I'm with you. I've just gone through
0: every pillow in this house and I'm not satisfied. But I feel like at some point I need to extend beyond because it's either too flat and lumpy like mine is or just too big. And then my neck hurts. And like <laughs> I got those sheets nailed. I forget the name of them. The ones that we keep talking about on this podcast, like sheets are Yellow great. Fresh. <laughs> that's right i just my pillowcase is just a big box of hello fresh food um but yeah the pillow itself i, I haven't nailed yet i feel like it's it's an area of my life that definitely definitely needs improving
1: is this a single pillow deal you guys sleep with one pillow oh
3: yeah i have a second handy for for reading or whatever
0: but for reading
3: you know prop my head up when i'm reading before bed oh uh, gotcha, yeah
0: gotcha. yeah i guess i have a pillow like in uh, – it's like I have a Derringer in your boot. I have a pillow down by the side of the bed that I can pick up and put up if I'm sitting up and watching mm. a movie in bed or something, you know?
1: I do one pillow head, other pillow holding. Holding? Like a mandatory yeah. – I got to have both pillows.
0: And one of them does need the anime girl printed on it? <laughs> i mean it can be an anime guy hey i'm not, not here to judge i'm not picky okay right but uh, some anime. sort of face no, but with it's, a
1: sharpie it's a thing of like when you're laying on your side like my arm i'm just not used to it falling all the way down so if it stays up it's like the circulation still goes no, hmm.
2: I, I agree i'm a side sleeper and i need i need like something there to not because it's just yeah If it if it's just kind of hanging down it feels weird
0: and the love of your partners isn't enough they're too, they're too warm. <laughs> <laughs> Classic problem. <I> <laughs> here's here's the
2: real, here's the real thing that needs to be invented is like, I saw, I don't know, years ago on, on some like, Hey, look at this ingenious design, but it was like a bed that had little cuts in it. So you could like put your arm down. W- what do you do with your other arm when you're spooning? It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it, mm-hmm. there's no solution to it. Yeah, it's like, if you it. put it up. By your head, then it kind of feels weird, and if you try to squish it up, so it's just like
0: someone needs to figure that one out. Yeah. Michael Barry has figured it out. Um, and then they said, Eureka, I'm gonna go write this question on Patreon. They say, as a kid, I had a blast jumping into things by the way, um Did you all see Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny? Yeah. Did you like it when that character said Eureka? Or was that dumb? I don't remember it, but that means it didn't bother me. (laughs) Okay, cool. Anyways, Michael Berry says, As a kid, I had a blast jumping into things like piles of leaves or ball pits at indoor playgrounds. Now, both of those things seem really gross. (laughs) Which one do you actually think is grosser? The decaying leaves or the unsanitized plastic balls? Which pile would you jump in now?
3: Great question.
0: (laughs) Great question. Gotta be the balls. Gotta be the balls?
3: But the balls Balls are are grosser? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wait. Oh, gross. Okay. So you you would jump into the leaves?
3: Yes. I
0: would too. Nature. I I don't know.
2: (laughs) I. It's like I think the balls are probably more germy, but for me, it's like the idea of having like crushed up leaves just like stick to my skin and like you know kind of get in my clothes and all of that. It's just like if the balls when I got out, I wouldn't have like pieces of them stuck to me
0: you know and i am just like but
3: you wouldn't be able to see them yeah well, small exactly, micro okay i just don't plastics. want to see them. <laughs> yeah it
0: would get in your bloodstream um i think yeah i, I think i go leaves too i mean i definitely remember as a kid like especially when they're nice and soggy and it's like they're still good they're still good then it's just like there's like worms in there i definitely remember nice finding and soggy. worms soggy <laughs>
2: yeah
0: wait what in the leaf pile cuz it's been sitting out there for too long and stuff you know okay but so not nice bad <laughs> bad and soggy i guess is a better yeah, way to put it yeah. and wormy just wormy and nice you know like a good good comforting pile but i think it's more fun i think leaves are way to go yeah
3: definitely I, more fun I, I have such a specific memory of being a kid raking because my parents asked me to and seeing the pile i just made and being really contemplating like it might be worth it to jump into it and have to rake it again
1: yeah and it was. I think if the balls were like sanitized beforehand, I would always prefer jumping in the balls. Because I do agree of like, I'm not interested in having the leaves like sticking to me. Like I think mm. sensation wise, mm. I would not like to feel the leaves. I just feel like I could get out of that and then go on with my week and not get sick. And if I jump in the balls, I'm going to get like right. strep throat.
0: I feel there like it's places with foam pits now. Yeah. You jump into a bunch of foam. I really want to do that. Maybe we even talked about having a mid-max community meet up there at some point. And then somebody said, are you insane? Somebody will break their neck. We can't do that. But I do think it'd be fun. Uh, Yeah, I don't like the plastic balls thing. Because one time I remember I was playing in a plastic ball pit. And I was like under the surface of the balls, like doing a backstroke, probably something really cool. And somebody jumped off of something at like this McDonald's. And they jumped into the ball pit and they landed directly on my stomach. And It was like the first time I had the wind knocked out of me. Just like Ooh. popped up out of the ball pit. Like, <gasps> like it was the worst. And so that's the main reason I have haven't been in a ball pit since.
3: I'm so glad getting the wind knocked out of me hasn't been a th- present threat in my life for like 10 years. Yeah. I feel like that happened so often when I was a kid for some reason. It really I felt like I was
0: going to die. It's bad. It's really bad. Uh, unlike these questions, which are all good. Uh, Charles, which is the best one? Pop quiz.
1: I mean, I like I like being asked about Cincinnati style chili. To be honest, okay, okay, I appreciate I appreciate this person did research on on the guests, and they're like, we know who we know who's coming. We're going to give them a specific questions.
0: Okay, all right, you're the guest of honor, unless Leo and Jacob strongly disagree. Great choice. Yeah, correct. I choice. learned a lot. Hey, we did about learn a lot. Four ways, five ways. That's right. Three ways. Three ways are the
1: normal ones. To be clear.
0: But there's only one way to submit a question. Patreon.com slash Mad with two ends. Uh, that is Joseph Stanachar, former Game Informer intern. Congratulations. You won the Mario vinyl from i 8-Bit. Nice. Now it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This.
1: There's
0: music playing, Charles. I'm dancing. <laughs> I swear I'm <laughs> dancing. Uh, hey, Get a Load of This. Um, Tim Kane, who's the you know co-creator of Fallout and he's an obsidian for a long time. Last project that he led was Outer Worlds. He's now like a contractor for Outer Worlds too, which is interesting. But he started a YouTube channel, and it's again my favorite thing of just very seasoned game industry people being like, you know what? I'm just gonna go on YouTube and share everything I can and all of my knowledge. Um and so it's a it's an interesting YouTube channel. He's a lot of insight. It's always like there's always a hint in every video of him just being like, I, I just got tired of younger developers and working with people. <laughs> like, there's always slightly angry old man energy in him, but I appreciate it. But he's posted one recently, which is cool, which is, you know, since he was the co-creator of Fallout, he went to the launch party for Bethesda's Fallout 3. And apparently he, like, kept a diary of what happened that night in his thoughts. And he just, like, reads that uh, journal entry uh, in this YouTube video that you can check out. But he talks about, like, you know, uh, His thoughts on the thing, but also just like celebrities that were there and seeing David Spade try to hit on women at the Fallout 3 party. Just a bunch of silly, weird stuff like that, but also walking through his thoughts on it emotionally and all that stuff. So it's a cool YouTube
3: channel. Check it out. Tim Cain's over there. Uh, Leo, you got one? Yeah. Uh, Get a load of this. I know this isn't really the space for plugs, but I'm really <laughs> proud of this and I it's kind of all I have. So there's an article written about me. Mm? Uh, It's on Ars Technica and it's called... Harbingers of failure Meet the customers you don't want to love your product uh, It's basically about how there are certain Customers that can be reliably followed Who are into niche products Where something they buy is more likely To be something that fails Oh, interesting
0: Whoa. Wow, and they, they cite you Throughout the entire piece, or is it kind of the focus? They didn't from... have
3: to Okay,
0: okay, nice, cool But yeah, that skateboarding, Riders Republic, is pretty sweet There's no doubt about it Uh, Links below for all this stuff. Uh, Charles, do you have one? Get a load of
1: this. Wow. The word goodbye is actually a portmanteau of God be with you. Shut up. Super old thing over time turned into goodbye. Yep.
0: Whoa. So they're just saying it faster and faster? I guess, Yeah. I love that good stuff uh jacob you
2: going uh yeah get a load of this um recently uh we finally got a uh a feature on the whole gamestop stock uh saga uh featuring uh one of my favorite guys that really explains the whole thing and makes it easy to understandable and it's it's uh entertaining to watch uh and it's not the movie that just came out uh instead it's the youtube video this is financial advice by Dan Olson, uh, AKA folding ideas. This is, uh, Ben, the guy who did that cryptocurrency video, yeah, like the, the NFTs video up, that essentially yeah. killed NFTs. Uh, at least that's <laughs> what I choose to believe. Um, it, it's a two and a half hour video on essentially the, uh, the, the apes, if you will, that are still kind of holding GameStop stock and their spiral into conspiracies. It is like, Ooh it is it is a weird watch this is one of those things where it's just like you kind of know that there's like something going on there but he has spent like years looking at like what exactly they are doing and what they believe and how the narrative has like shifted
0: uh and it is uh, it is really really good oh god i gotta watch that for sure that's wild uh, hey, from the community Discord to get a little this channel, which is just filled with interesting things all the time. Voy Wonder shared a clip. Um, and they say Street Fighter 6 is currently having an event with Chipotle. This is just good gaming stuff. Had <laughs> an event with Chipotle Street Fighter 6. They've given out a backpack that looks like a burrito very naturally in the game. The thing about the character creator in Street Fighter VI, though, is that it allows you to resize and move all the items. So now we have giant burritos fighting each other all the time in Street Fighter 6 <laughs> because the clip is just awesome because it's just giant burritos doing awesome Street Fighter 6 moves. But it's a win-win for everybody. It makes the game sillier and makes us all hungry for Chipotle. Uh, but, hey, uh, that is it. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening to this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. We have some things coming up. We have the next, uh, next episode of Trivia Tower. Our trivia show is happening Tuesday, October 17th at 7 p.m. Central. So if you jump in at any tier on Patreon, even the $2 tier, you can compete in game trivia to win prizes. And here's the thing. It is never going to be easier for you to win a game code than on this next episode of Trivia Tower. The easiest round ever because all you have to do is get one question right and you win a game code because this is a very special episode because we kind of have the, the pool of everybody competing to get a game code, even just one question right. But the crux of the episode is it is Trivia Tower Tournament of Champions. We are bringing back everybody who's ever won Trivia Tower including from trivia tower all-stars and they're all going to compete against each other to determine the greatest of all time so that's going to be kind of the second half of the show but the first half you can still jump in and compete in to win a game code so trivia tower tournament champions october 17th jump in at the toilet here on patreon to compete um also reminder we have the community meetup happening october 22nd sunday october 22nd to celebrate min max's fourth anniversary we're going to be in seattle uh, we're going to be at Petoskey's, the Minneapolis-themed bar slash restaurant <laughs> in Seattle. Uh, so if you're in the Seattle area, please come by and say hi. It's going to be Kelsey Lewin and I and some friends uh, hanging out at Petoskey's. So come say hello Sunday, October 22nd. We want to see you Seattle people. Please don't let us sit there by ourselves like dweebs. Um, party chat, our bonus podcast. It goes up every single Monday in the bonus podcast feed if you're a $5 supporter. This week we talk about, we break down the Extra Life plans, which there's going to be a twist this year on Extra Life, but it is going to be a big charity stream that's happening Saturday, November 4th. Uh, all-day charity stream. We have a ton of great charity auctions, prizes to give away, rotating guests coming through the MinMax Studio. So fun details in there that are relayed in that episode of Party Chat. We also, of course, talk about Survivor because I love that show. Uh, We talk about starting Baldur's Gate 3. We talk about Castlevania Nocturne, so unlock Party Chat each and every week. Um, Then the other big thing to plug here is uh, we just launched a second YouTube channel for MinMax. We were running into a bit of a problem of making too much content. Now, the problem is, we for so long have been doing uh, streams like Jeff will be doing a solo stream, Sarah will be doing a solo stream, Haley McLean will be doing a solo stream on our Twitch channel, and now we're gonna be doing more and more of those and we don't want to flood your subscription feed for Minmax's main YouTube channel. And so all of those solo streams are now going to go to the secondary YouTube channel called Minmax Stream Archives. There's the link in the description if you want to check it out. Uh, So they will all be public. Before, they've been unlisted, and we tried to share them, but YouTube changed some things with the unlisted videos to make them harder to find, so we finally ripped off the Band-Aid. And those will all be on that bonus channel, Minmax Stream Archives. Um, Also, people are, are very helpful, and I made a post about this on patreon and people are like what about all the old unlisted streams and i said that's a good point so i downloaded all the old unlisted streams and i'm going to be uploading all of those onto this secondary channel as well Uh, just for my own uh sick pleasure though I, i timed it out uh it is 309 hours of content i'm sorry 399 hours of content from these solo streams that we'll be uploading on this new uh youtube channel but there's already some up there right now but there's it's very fun to go back and be like, Jesus. Sarah played through like all of Resident Evil Village. Sarah played through all these games. Surreal did a ton of streaming. There's a ton of good old stuff that'll be up on that channel. That you can check out. So nice. uh, link below. Surely, Charles, you have something to plug.
1: I'll I'll plug my gratitude no, for having me nope, on the show. Nope, nope. nope also, nope. also, I write a game former, and you can you can go <laughs> go check out gameformer.com. Uh, we sell issues of the magazine in stores now.
0: Um, what would make you happiest charles for people to comment on
1: to comment on yeah
0: or send you feedback on What what would tickle your heart the most from the game informer stuff
1: oh man uh i if you have access to the digital magazine i just did a retrospective on the xbox 360 in honor of game informer's 360th issue
0: oh of course uh, nice.
1: so, so if you read that and you like it uh, don't tell me if you don't like it, because I don't care. Um, <laughs> you can tweet at me, or X at me, at uh, ChuckDuck365.
0: Sweet. There we go. Yeah, Gameformers do cover Mario Wonder. Congrats on a big get. That's sweet. Uh, but hey, Charles, great job. Thanks for being here. He wait he saluted for people listening. Uh also to thank you, everybody, at the game champion tier on Patreon, the fifty dollar tier. You can choose any game under the sun, to be declared the champion. So of course we're talking about rabid lime is the champion of an airport for aliens, currently run by dogs, of course. Vincent Baker is the champion of Final Fantasy Tactics. Great pick. That's going to stand out. Procyon number six is the champion of Ghost of Tsushima. And Malcolm Holiday, very interesting, chose Mortal Kombat 1 to be officially the champion of. Uh, so we'll put all those together soon for the game championship poll. Hey, that's it. Thanks so much again, everybody, for watching or listening to this episode of the MinMac Show podcast. Be good. Have fun. Jacob Geller, what's the name of that game? Uh, what? Let's go... A codex something. Can I? Can I? Sh- <laughs> yeah. Shadow Gambit,
1: Gelatin Crew. Go. Oh, Shadows die try. twice.
0: What's <laughs> the last two words? The Curse crew. crew. I did have to like
3: re Google it to oh, remind myself okay. a bunch of times. I
0: did too, and we love the game. But seriously, check it out, everybody. Okay, Shadow Gambit, the Curse Crew. Everybody, bye.